Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. It's a Star Tracks week. I'm Matthew. No, I'm Judah. Man, we have done so many of these. The number somehow keeps getting bigger. You'd think it would stay the same, but it's bigger every time. This is number 31 of these. It sure is. That's a lot. It sure is, Matt. There's still five. There's still five shows that we have to do each week or each two <laughs> yeah. weeks. Not only that, there's still going to be five for t- more than as many shows as we've already done. I don't. It's going to be a long time before the first one drops out. Well, unless we're surprised. Everything's 50-50, I think. So. Uh, that is true. That's the rules. Uh, Did you have no... any housekeeping to do or anything before we jump into this big old bag of farts? You know, I'm not. Uh, I'm not aware of any. As always, we have the tendency to burn good pod material, but hopefully we can recreate some of that energy when, yeah. now that we're recording. Yeah, yeah, and just uh, an explanation for any new listeners, maybe um, uh, Captain Kirk's dildo often retweets us, so, you know, in case he has turned (laughs) anybody onto this, he or she has turned anybody onto this, um, what we're going to do is we're going to compare all of the the 31st episodes of each of the five major Star Trek series, um, and we're, we're... Scoring them on some crazy criteria that we came up with uh, in the blink of an eye. Uh, Premise, execution, uh, world building, and characterization. And the ultimate goal is, I don't know. I. It's just to make a really big spreadsheet. You can go ahead and check that out. We have a link to it on our website. We call it Landru. Yeah. Sometimes Landru. Yeah, uh, or if there are any new listeners uh, who got... You know, got excited about that new podcast search engine that just came out this week. Oh. Uh, I did get an email from their CEO telling me that we are already listed. And uh, sure enough, I went there and searched for Where Silence Has Lease. And uh, our podcast uh, in which we reviewed that was on the second page of the results. There are a lot of Star Trek review podcasts. (laughs) Second page. Just a heads up. We didn't make the first page of results. And there have got to be shows that are like, you know what? Let's not review Where Silence Has Lease. Wow. That's... um... I've, I was I thought I was hoping you were going to say that in that real obscure search that we were going to come up aces, but uh, no, but no, no, no. I, I should, I'll, I'll I'll craft a more dedicated search at some point and figure out if there's anyone else who's actually doing this dumb format. But I cannot imagine because it's so dumb. What if you search for Shatner eyes? Shatner eyes. I imagine we'll come up. But here's the thing: I have forgotten the name of that search engine, and I have archived that email. <laughs> It's uh, Podsquirch. Uh, Podsquirch was taken, so it's Podsquirch. <clears throat> dot broadcast search. Dot horse. Listen notes is what it is. Called. Listen notes. Dot horse is what it is. Shatner eyes. Shatner eyes. That was the one I could think of off the top of my head. 
<laughs> did not match any podcast nope. episodes. Then it's and it's a bad search engine. Let's just try the word Shatnerize. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, let's make it more broad. Nope, nothing, nothing again. Oh, Boy, that's rough. That's uh, a fail. What a. B- <laughs> it's a real fail. What about? Um, yeah, this is a tough one. No, just search for data lore. Okay. Let's see. <clears throat> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Hey, we're tenth on that one. All right. Okay. Tenth so, on that one. So we're the bottom of the first page. If somebody really wants to get into it. Also, they'll, yeah. they'll be going across and they'll, all the pod shows will be Star Trek themed, like the names of them, and then they'll get to ours and they'll just skip it because it's just Brother Date. Uh, yep, because that episode of our podcast, our first of all, our podcast is called Brother Date. Yeah. Uh, the image is Final Fantasy derived, not Star Trek derived. Sure. And the title of this podcast is Why Did They Write This, Though? Bob, that was a really good question about one of the episodes that week. So, welcome all Listen Notes users who searched for data lore and opted not to listen to Pat Trek, Treks in the City, Don't, Next Generation, why are you giving these guys, First Generation, stop it. Shut Up Wesley, a Star Trek The Next Generation review podcast, Hailing Frequencies Open podcast, Star Trek The Next Conversation, Oof. Diecast Enterprise, or Gilmore Trek, or Hailing Frequencies, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. So, if you made it through all of those and clicked on Brother Date, we listen, guys, we didn't know we were going to do this. Yeah, this was... Uh, this was just going to be a bullshit show so we would talk to each other. Yeah, it wasn't well prepared. Yeah. There's still time to spin this off, though, into another pod. We should turn this into its own pod. You should go there back. There absolutely is. You should be the one to go back and make all the changes, and then I will sign off on them wholeheartedly. It would it would take a matter of days, except for the part where we probably would want to put new um, beginning and ending themes. I'm into new it. intros to all the episodes. I'm into it, and by the way, I will be the Riker to your Picard canceling the self-destruct. I uh, you'll concur wholeheartedly. Or whoreheartedly. Whoreheartedly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm suddenly going to be a Star Wars alien. Oh, yes, I concur wholeheartedly. Yeah. God. A Jedi! <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can do that? <laughs> it's so bad. It's wild. Uh, all right. <clears throat> all right. Let's get started. We only uh, got, we got three to talk and a half for like three more do. goddamn yeah. hours of this, so. Uh, we're doing it in uh, reverse order, the worst episode of last week to the best episode of last week. So this week it's Voyager, and we watched Meld. It's better than they deserve. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I thought like two become one maybe, but that I'm saving for another episode that you know about good, already. Good, 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 good. So, I- oh, Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent, with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, fast, boy. Man. That was I'm good. looking at I'm looking at Ben's notes for this week. This is his top episode. Yeah. So I guess I'll describe what happened in it, and then we'll jump right to his take Let's because uh, he did give it a seven-point take. So Harry and Tom, right? Starts in the holodeck. Always a Harry good sign. and Tom. How exciting is this? Yep. Are arranging some light ships gambling. Mm. And where are they though? Uh, What's the setting? Can you describe the setting? Oh, they're in Sandrines or whatever oh, that place is called. Good and um. Do you suppose he has either recently banged one of the holograms or is about to bang one of the holograms? 
Yeah, I like to think he's definitely in his refractory period. Yeah, it's fucking gross. He takes all his friends there anyway. He bang he banged her. Then he called. Uh, then he called uh, Harry Kim to come down and shoot pool. Yep. Then he tried to hustle him at pool, and uh, then he concocted this gambling scheme based on the ships. I don't know, neutrino counts. I didn't even write it down. I knew it didn't matter. Yeah, surprise, surprise, Voyager. Just throwing some techno babble right into the teaser. Uh, and uh, that probably makes him rock hard. And yeah, so yeah. he's going to have to bang another. But when he's going to say, he's I'm going to bang, bang her on the pool one... table. You can stay if you want. And then <laughs> Harry's going to run. He's going to bang the one that in this episode looks like she's kind of dressed like a lady Indiana Jones or something. Yeah, so there's a good little bit of Vosh vibes on this yeah, one. She's just hanging out at Sandrine's because it's an interesting place where all the sex holograms come to hang out. Anyway, in the uh, important part of the episode, hmm. uh, is trying to figure out what's wrong with the warp engines and finds a charred body in the EPS conduit. There's a problem. That is uh, that's bad for the systems right there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's crewman Darwin. I don't know if we've ever seen that guy. I don't think we have. Nah, they don't kill uh, people that we know. But the doctor uh, does an autopsy and uh, announces that it is murder most foul. And the chief suspect is immediately a Betazoid engineer named Lon Suter, mm. which I think is definitely the name of a college football coach from the 1960s. Oh, Am I wrong sure, about that? For sure. Lon Suter was, uh, he was full. You got to start at uh, He Alabama led the Razorbacks. And, and okay. He worked his way out. Well, you know, he, he won a lot of like Division II championships, and then he eventually worked his way up, and he... Uh, yeah, Arkansas, he did a great job, and then, yeah, but then it was one of those things where he was promoted above his abilities, and he got he got the job at uh, at Auburn, and they went like seven and six, and he was fired. And anyway, you know you know this old boy as Grima Wormtongue, so <laughs> as soon as you saw him, you're like, yeah, that guy did do the murder, though. Plus, he's got those black Betazoid shark's eyes. Right? Yeah, 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 I knew him as the guy from Babylon 5, who is a brother in the clergy um, because he was mind wiped after he used to be a serial killer. Oh, is that Brad Dorf too? Yeah, that is that dude for sure. He makes like some sweet uh, origami or something for Sheridan, and in the end, Sheridan wants to punch him so hard in the head when he realizes who he is. Yeah, or something. Anyway, being Grima Wormtongue was a real step up for him. It turns out. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Suter denies it. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, Chakotay, by the way, turns out never liked the guy uh, because he gets uh, hard as a diamond for killing Cardassians. Is it one of his many arch enemies? It's one of his several arch enemies or uh, super close best friends that we've never heard of before this episode. <laughs> yep. It's this guy's the this guy's the opposite of Kurt Bandera. <laughs> Glad you remember his name. Like just the negative Kurt Bandera. Uh, scenario right uh, well there's a universe that is um wh- where everything's antimatter oh yeah and this guy's right. from he's from universe. the negative yeah he's negative kurt Bandera. he wrestles yeah, with kurt sure. Bandera through eternity in the weird 60s psycho psychedelic vision that's right because for reasons not explained they never die i'm sorry anyway i'm sorry your your explanations of how what the episode what happened in the episode are always so long and i'm just making it so much longer i'll let you go anyway chakotay didn't like the guy and uh but he kept it to himself, and that angers Tuvok. Doesn't matter. Suter denies it, um, but Suter also has a bunch of issues with Tuvok because, you know, he was a spy. Right. And he did spy. But uh, the doctor immediately finds his DNA in the dead body. And uh, so then he's just like, yeah, I did do it, though. I mean, I did do it, and I, I hid the lump hammer that I used to kill him 
behind the deck plating on deck C or whatever, and then they find it there. So anyway, it's not a mystery anymore, but Tuvok has got, like... He's got an insane obsession with understanding the motive for this murder. Mm-hmm. And good thing he does, the, otherwise this story would go nowhere. Yeah, and the guy's just like, I don't know, man, I killed him. He was a kind of little bitch, and I hated him. So I looked at him, and I wanted to kill him, and I killed him. Honestly, so, I wanted to kill Kurt Bandera, and then someone else got to him first. Tuvok has never read the Akewood strip where Nice Pete describes murder as being like a basketball game and he is there and the other guy is there and he puts the guy's body in his van and he wins. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Uh, so he just, uh, he's just wildly obsessed with this idea. So without talking to anyone about this or thinking it through, he proposes a mind meld and Suter's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm down. I'm a cold murderer. I'm not afraid of your mind meld. Put your hands on my face. Uh, we don't see the meld. They do that off screen. It, it's not clear why. Probably because those have never looked good. Yeah. But uh, after the fact, Tuvok seems to have accepted that there is no reason, <laughs> that there was no motive. But now he's like weirdly shaky and he's uh, super, he's super strong calling for this guy to be executed. Mm-hmm. With Janeway. And um, she's not going to do that. That doesn't make any sense to her. She wants to lock him in his quarters for the rest of the trip, I guess. Right. Um, anyway, jittery old Tuvok goes to, uh, you know, he wants to meditate calmly and not be bothered. So he goes to the place where you would do that. Uh, he goes to see Neelix. <laughs> Neelix, who has already been shown bothering him at least once in this episode. That's right. Neelix bothered him in the cold open. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then Neelix gets extra Neelixy with him and earns himself a real good choking. But it turns out it's just a dumb holodeck program because what Tuvok was really doing mm. was uh, trying to play murder games to see what that whole thing is like. Yeah, he was pulling a, a data in descent. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, exactly, to be specific. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly like that, but it's worse. It's a worse scene somehow because they try to trick you with the idea that it's in the holodeck. You'll have whereas to tell in Descent, me when we get you to know it, that it's not. Whether they lost points for being a, a fake, a fake, a fake one. Uh, I didn't explicitly deduct points, but I didn't give this episode an amazing execution score. So yeah, it worked its uh, way in there. Let's say it's 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 wrapped up in there. I think there are bigger problems than what they tried to do there. Yeah. I think that's a stupid trick, but it's. It's not a full-on dream sequence. It's just like the... Uh, just a fake-out. <laughs> and they did it two weeks ago with the fucking... Uh, Tom Paris is flying the shuttle to warp 10 and, and it, it blows explodes. up and then everyone's and then just it's like that. And then it's like, game. I guess if you object to that, you, you gotta be mad all the way back at uh, Star Trek Six or whatever because it starts with one of those. Oh, you mean Star Trek Two? Shit, Star Trek Two, yeah. Star Trek Two starts with the, uh, the <clears throat> bridge simulation scene and everybody dying right. or whatever. Exactly. So, if you object to that too strongly, it's it's kind of baked into Star Trek. Yeah. I don't think the I don't think the next generation does too many of those fake outs because again, I think it has been suggested to Data in Descent. We'll know in about ten years. Yeah, <laughs> it has been suggested to Data in Descent that he should go try and recreate those feelings in the holodeck. So it's, they're not trying to fake us out with that. Right. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, back in the holodeck, uh, Chakotay shows up to shut down Tom Paris's gambling ring. And uh, Paris gives him a bunch of sass for his trouble. Really does. That's the end of this plot. 
Honestly, he gave him so much sass that I thought it was going to be related to the mind meld in some way yep. that we were having. I thought a Tuvok was projecting yeah. his like his weird craziness was playing out with the crew, and then I was going to be like, or maybe it was there all along, and that's why Suter killed them. Maybe there's some other, yeah. sli- you know, no, nope. you're right, and it though. doesn't matter. This <laughs> it never comes this back. is the B plot wraps up. I'm less than halfway through my description <laughs> of what happens in this episode. Okay, and yeah. the B plot has wrapped. Yeah. Tuvok uh, goes to confront Suter again, first time post mind meld, and Suter's now pretty calm, and he's kind of doing a hero worship scenario with Tuvok, where mm. he sort of has taken on Tuvok's mannerisms. Yeah, and he says that he's like uh, operating within established parameters or something. Basically, yeah. and uh, he's he can't he can't eat ice cream, but sometimes he likes to taste it. Right, <laughs> you know he's not doing it a hundred percent right. Yep, we'll get to that episode too. <clears throat> um. He wants to meld again, also, and Tuvok is not having it. But what he does do is lock himself in his room and delete his security clearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I guess, uh, he's wrecked up the joint by the time Janeway shows up to see why she doesn't have a ship security officer anymore. Right. And he tries to impress her with some dumb action movie dialogue about all of the different ways he can kill her with one finger. Well, it was the 90s. It was the 90s. But uh, this is pretty hack. Yeah. Pretty hack stuff. Uh, but anyway, he allows him to beam him to sickbay, where uh, it turns out that the doctor is like, oh, yeah, mind melds are super fucked. I don't, I don't know why they do this. This is a weird nightmare, and it's always up to us doctors to clean up the mess. It's really weird when they write that into an episode when they're like, hey, everything that happens in this show is really stupid. Because it's like, you just write it better then. Yeah, like if, don't, you don't, if you don't rather like than it, just hang a little lampshade on it yeah. halfway through, just be like, just write a better thing, write something better, and then you won't have to have the characters talk about how bad the plot you wrote is. I don't watch Star Trek for snark. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I don't know, I don't know the exact timeline, but I feel like you could probably still catch Daria on MTV if you wanted that, <laughs> right? Probably correct. Yep. I think it was in reruns, but you wouldn't, <clears> and at least you'd get to get that instrumental version of. Um, uh, Italian leather sofa. Oh yeah, that, yes. I forgot that was the theme song. That's true. Uh, not Daria, right? It was not Daria, as you would expect. It right. Was, I think you're right at that. It was like Italian leather sofa or whatever. Unless that was f- the one for Mission Hill. I whatever. All right. Well, why don't you keep going in your synopsis and I'll look it up. Right. Uh, Janeway shows up in sick bay to. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Uh, so the treatment. It turns out. Uh, when you have a fucked mind meld like this is for some reason to remove Tuvok's emotional control entirely and good news that's a thing you can do with three key presses even though Bendai syndrome is incurable yeah so they know exactly how to how to manipulate emotional control using technology now well there you go um they put a three minute countdown on this because again is this is a badly written episode and uh, Tuvok starts raging and weirdly it's about execution again like this is his main deal yeah and uh i think you're right that the doctor does say at one point that it's going to take him exactly three minutes to push that weight that's right and they count it down they're like five seconds ten Mm -hmm. seconds five seconds uh anyway after the countdown ends they sedate tuvok again and then the doctor's like look we might have to do this a lot so i don't know what good that countdown was yeah they just had to endure it for three minutes. 
like some kind of Final Fantasy scripted battle where you can't but win, you can't, but you yeah, have you, to stay alive. You cannot kill the boss. They will, in a scripted way, they will beat you in three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, of course, at night, no one is guarding sick bay. Tuvok escapes and returns to the bridge to carry out this execution. Uh, he attacks Suter with a mind meld, which uh, Suter pointed out earlier was like penetration, and I almost threw up. Yeah, I don't need that. Don't need it. Not in my Star Treks. But uh, eventually his emotional control reasserts itself and he doesn't kill him. Anyway, Tuvok's going to be okay. He just has to get a permission slip from Janeway before he does any more mind melts. Thank God. And, uh, and Wormtongue is confined to quarters for the rest of the trip home. All right. <clears throat> so, Ben's pick of the week. Yeah. That was a long time you ago. Might, might have been able to tell from my tone that I didn't 100% agree. <laughs> uh, he gave it a seven. His take is... Can we suppress our baser instincts in a civilized society, especially at close quarters? And he expanded that from just violence to other vices based on the gambling ring angle. Well, otherwise, what is that there for? By the way, super charitable of him to connect the two in any way. I'm glad he did, though. I also kind of did. And the reason is I have no idea what that serves otherwise. I don't know why it's there. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a whoopsie. Because I said, it wraps up halfway through with no real good resolution. Just Tom Paris hates Chicote. That's the resolution. I I read on Memory Alpha that there was a scene scripted, but either not shot or deleted, where Chicote chews Tuvok out for knowing that the gambling ring was going on and not doing anything about it. Whoa. So I think it was supposed to actually tie into this arc in some way. Okay. Then was he going to imagine killing Chicote or something? That's weird. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh... Why don't you tell me what your premise was for this episode and how many points you thought it was worth? Hmm, hi, that's a lot of information you're asking for, but I'll see what I can do. Uh, each of us has a classic battle between good and evil going on inside, just uh, like Bill McNeil says. Um, um, not a particularly fresh take, and I feel like we've done it recently in some episode. I can't remember which one, uh, but it is very Star Trek. I, I gave it a five. Hmm. Okay. Um, so here is the thing. I got caught up on the capital punishment angle. Oh, that's story. fine. I mean, look, uh, Chakotay got they caught go up on to it. That well, Tuvok got caught up on it, too. 40 times mm-hmm. throughout this episode. And I think that what they were trying to say in this episode is that capital punishment is just primitive violence that we dress up and give reasons for in other words that it is just an expression of our innate violence and we justify it i think i think that is what they wanted us to think right for sure and i think that's a little bit of a stronger take because it's saying something so i gave it a six that sounds fair i i I thought what was happening was that was um tuvok got caught up on that because he was trying to justify the violence inside of him and was trying to sell it as justice right like just trying to um verbalize what was going on uh with his crazy emotions yeah Uh, if i can just swing into execution hit it crank it red Uh, buddy I think that the real failing of this episode is that Suter introduces the notion of capital punishment. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't care, just kill me. 
prior to the mind meld. And so it makes it entirely possible that this is just a thought that Suter has. Yeah. That has somehow been implanted or transferred. That's true. And when, whereas I think they're trying to say that his weird execution lust is kind of like a the logical farce he concocts to cover up his violent urges, like you said. Like, that's how he's dealing with his violence. Yeah. And so I think it kind of fails that Suter introduced it first, and it seems like it could come from the mind meld. Yeah. And also the Tom Paris story is nothing, and they did do a holodeck fake-out. I only gave it four points for execution. That's fair. <clears throat> um, I was torn on how they executed the premise that I had. So it's suggested multiple times in the episode that people uh, just have this shit in them with varying levels of control over it. However, you don't get the feeling that Janeway or Chakotay are having this internal battle at any point, nor do you believe Tuvok is until it's introduced into his mind, as you said, uh, by the meld with Suter. Right. So it's like, they almost make it seem as if Janeway is above it. By the way, she's like, nah, I never even thought about that, that's crazy. Um, yeah, she's like, no, we don't do capital punishment. That's yep. that's not how justice works here right that's now. That's the olden times. They yeah. don't do that anymore. So, they, I mean, they almost go out of their way to be like, nah, no, actually, not everybody has that going on inside of them. Right. Um, but... and I think that's sort of why I shied away from that premise. Also, I think it's complicated to introduce that idea with a Vulcan. Yeah. Because we're supposed to believe that they had powerful violent emotions, and that's why they, they developed logic to suppress them, right? You know... <laughs> Yes, that is what we have been told a million times, and I have the th- the theory within the universe that the Vulcans say a lot of stuff about what things used to be like on Vulcan, and nobody has any idea. And maybe they just had regular-type emotions and killed each other, like everybody else in the universe. But they're, And they're but selling they, it as, boy, shit was nuts on Vulcan. Basically, every time the Vulcans talk about their old history, they're just uh, reading from their Bible at us. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, and everyone else in the Federation's like, I don't know, those guys seem like they got a handle on shit. That's probably what it was like. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, look, we already know it goes around and around. The the, the Vulcans are uh, so honest, and they care about science, and it's like, well, that's been proven a million times to not be true. They're all a bunch of fucking, like, I mean, they lie, like, as a rule. Explain Stan. That's all I want to know. <laughs> yeah, what's up with Stan? So what, and, explain to Pring, to to Pring. Me, because exactly. So I kind of don't believe it. I kind of don't believe that they used to be so insanely emotional and violent. I assume they have like the same emotions as everybody out there. Yeah, but I think they want you to, right? They really want you to believe it. Yeah, but I don't believe it. So I, I think that introducing this through a Vulcan character, like it's not Chakotay struggling with his shit. Yes. And if the answer is because of a mind meld. Well, dog, you made the murderer a Betazoid. Yeah. You could have backdoored this into any character. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what did... Go ahead and finish your execution talk. Well, I was going to say, so... Okay, so it's all introduced into Tuvok, and he has to go through it. I, but they get points added to it for showing us that Tom Paris is still working this shit out. Because he just seems like he's dicking around and um, and doesn't really... I, I I was really trying to figure out what they were doing with him and Jacote. I don't. I literally don't understand so it because fucking mad. Last week in threshold. By the way, I said it was two weeks ago. It was actually last week. It was two weeks in real time. Yeah, but so in, three actually because we took a week in threshold. And then I'll talk about this in characterization. Um, but it seemed like he was making a lot of discoveries about himself, mm. and uh, now he's just being a. A weird. That's right. He's uh, one step forward, two steps back. He's doing. He's he's do, he's doing a playing a numbers game. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, 
So if that wasn't in there for that purpose, I don't know why else it would be in there. Um, yeah. The episode moved along okay, and the suitor guy is definitely a weirdo, but I'm not sure I bought him as a serial killer type weirdo, which is weird because he played one in Babylon 5 too. So uh, anyway, I gave it a 5 overall on okay. execution. All right. So we're we're both at 10s. Um, ben gave it a 4 for execution. Oh, so he's only at 11, so... Um, He thinks that the guy should have been out the airlock by the first commercial break. <laughs> well. Which is wild because they could just beam you and not ever rematerialize you. To actually throw someone out an airlock is Takes a lot bizarre. of work. It's very yeah. uh, ritual. Um, Let me go into world building if there was any. Okay. Uh, Call Wreck is a day of atonement, solitude, and sadness on Vulcan. Rumeri is a pagan holiday not observed for a millennium. It was one of them sex holidays. Um, being a known Maquis member does not qualify as having a criminal record in Starfleet, assuming the conversation between Suter and Tuvork is to be believed. Uh, it's probably not a criminal record because he probably was never tried. That makes sense. So he probably has I, some I, kind I, of... I feel like the... That's not the seventh guarantee. That's the right to not self-incriminate. But I assume that they have one about uh, being innocent until proven guilty. Right. That's probably a good point. Um, Starfleet Directive 101 is the Space Miranda Rights or the Fifth Amendment or something. Is that what you were talking about? Space Directive 101? Uh, yeah, I guess that's the... That's the one where he tells a, me he doesn't have to say anything. That is the Space Miranda Rights. Yeah. Um... Various techno babble medical procedures for saving Tuvork that you kind of covered in the in the in the episode description. I feel like this achieved slightly less than episodes usually do. I gave it a two. Um, I frankly I think that's fair. Let's see if I've got anything, and maybe maybe we might have to meet in the middle because I my initial score here was four. Oh, so okay. let's see. Uh, Vulcans used to be a lot more fun. Right. DNA tests can rule out if you're a psychopath. Okay. And the inability to control the impulse to murder is somehow not itself a mental illness. Like, the doctor's like, yeah, he's not crazy. He's just, he just loves to kill. <laughs> That's right. That one was, maybe at one point it was classified and they he had just someone drummed that he one He just out. can't not kill people. That's not craziness, though. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, people use the computer as a secretary on this ship. Uh, hey, computer, can you reserve a conference room? For... Computer, who won the thing? Computer, tell Janeway that I'm resigning my commission. <laughs> That's right, please send my resignation letter. You you know the format. Mind melds are pretty fucked up. Oh, you can turn off both Vulcan emotional control and Vulcan telepathy with a computer. And maybe that's why no one gives a shit about telepathy in this universe. Maybe. Because... Uh, Cass is just as a fucking throwaway says I had the doctor turn off your telepathic center too mm -hmm. what yeah just turn it off bloop uh, the, uh, the, the code for that is B-A-B-Y uh, uh, left right left right up down start or something it's something like that yeah it's probably B-A-B-A -A. oh yeah sorry B -A -B -A. up down B-A left right B-A anyway, select that's... start uh, B-A-B-Y um left A, right A was the code to get into the debug on um, Wing Commander. Anyway. <clears throat> nice. Uh, uh, that's not particularly consistent with how telepathy is gen 
generally treated in the next generation, which is kind of as an unscientific thing that nobody cares about. That's true. Not just not interested in learning about it at all. Uh, I've given it as much as a four in world building, uh, mostly for that uh, telepathy and DNA criminology angles of it. Okay. And uh, before we check in with Ben on his second half, I uh, only gave this three points for characterization. What a surprise, because these characters are normally some of our favorites. You know, there's like, uh, there's Chakotay, and there's Kess. Yep. I guess all of Paris's self-actualization and threshold has been forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, these scripts were being written at the same time, probably, right? So, Oh, yeah, I doubt anybody who wrote this whatever, was paying attention but to the other one. Someone on set should have been like, you know, whatever that guy's name is. Who plays Tom Paris? <laughs> We've talked about this before. I just call him Nick Lacarno. I don't remember. Nick Lacarno. Whatever his name is. Benson. Robert Duncan McNeil. That was something close. Like that. I feel like that was close. Um, should have been like, uh, hey, last week... Uh, I made like a breakthrough about getting away from my rebelling against my shitty dad and trying to make a name for myself. Anyway, this week I'm a fucking asshole. What's uh, up? Tuvok and Chakotay back at it again. Um, and then would Tuvok be so obsessed with Suter's violence? Because like way before the mind meld, he's got bad emotional problems about this murder. Yeah. He cannot it's not let it go. logical. Like he walks away to go talk to Janeway, and then fucking turns around and comes back, and he's like, "You know what? Mind meld." <laughs> That's right. Like I couldn't even go have a conversation about this without coming back and figuring out what's going on with this thing because I'm crazy obsessed. He was uh, quite turned around on the whole thing. Yeah, and then one of the my least favorite aspects of the Janeway character so far surfaces in this episode where. She really delegates away all her problems. She didn't have one conversation with the ship's murderer. Ah, uh, that's true. Did not see the need. She's just like, ah, fuck it, Tuvok's got it. Yeah. I know there's only 110 people on this ship. I should probably get involved with things, but... And one of them killed another one, but... Uh, Tuvok, I'll let Tuvok handle it. At so. some point, we should check in. I don't know how many episodes, but we should do a check-in with whoever has already done the math on how many people have died on the ship. Yeah, it's a good point. Someone it's still, I, actually still only a few, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but maybe 20 more episodes. My, my suspicion is it gets worse. Yeah. We can go back to the Amelia Earhart one. I think that's the one where they specifically listed how many crew members there were, right? So. Yeah. Uh, what did? How did you think the characterization went on this one? I gave it a four. Okay. Okay, so um, TP is still taking the crew along on his hollow fuck fantasies at Sandrine's we talked about. He gets real bitchy when Chakotay inevitably comes calling to close down the gambling situation. And then I talk about whether this is to show us whether he's got the demons like Suter or just a weird Chakotay's mortal enemies entry. Um, this doctor sure likes to talk in absolutes. Mm-hmm. This dude was for sure murdered based on the coup, contra coup, head smashy graph or whatever. Yep. Uh, and then and he, he watched Dexter. He knows what's up. He he plays detective a lot in this one, and that's actually not a bad thing because Tuvork is garbage at it. He's not a good security guy, and he's not a good teacher. Uh, Tuvork believed he was owed a satisfactory motive for cold-blooded murder. I guess this is because it's his first day on the job. Right? He's never been a security officer before. This is his f- very first day, right? Because he cannot yeah. handle the murder situation. Nope. 
Uh, thrown for a loop by the murder meld. Uh, Tuvok has studied violence for over 100 years. No elaboration on that. Yep. Just that's it. Um, Janeway isn't given much to do in this episode, despite being in it kind of a lot. She never really has to question anything and doesn't offer any useful dialogue. Um, so, so I'm downgrading it to a three. Okay. <laughs> I felt worse Sometimes about it after these reading things. that. Sometimes we write these things, and when we read them out loud, we're like, oh, that's not worth as many points as the number I, of I hated I this. assigned it. Yeah. I didn't remember how much I thought this was terrible. Uh, let's <laughs> check it with Ben before I ask you if he had any quick hitters. Okay. He gave it a three in world building. Um, he says that the replicator rations betting shows that money isn't obsolete, but I mean, Voyager's in kind of an odd situation, right? Yeah, they're not in the uh, standard Federation economy of mysteries. Right. Uh, he also mentioned that Starfleet Directive 101 is Miranda writes, and okay. he wondered if mind melts have always had the ability to kill. I don't know, that scene from Star Trek Six is rough. She does start making some noises that aren't so great. Where Spock is uh, mind-melding Valeris against her will. Like, maybe if you were going to animate it, you might like see some smoke coming out of there or something. Yeah, it ain't great. Yeah. It's a little rapey, too, so. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't really consent to that mind-meld, is all I'm saying. She does seem to be fighting him. Yeah, I, I think she knows what's coming, though. She kind of turns her back real slow and goes, I do not remember. And it's like, oh boy. Yeah. I think we all know where this is going. Deep in your brain. Uh, and did he talk about the characterization? He gave it as many as six for characterization. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hold on a second, though. So. Yeah, he said uh, Tuvok channels his inner Spock a bit. Uh, he doesn't think Tim Russ did a great job, but he appreciates the the uh, attempt to make Tuvok an actual character. Uh, he says deep down, Tuvok thinks humans are weak and disgust him. Sure. Um, and he's a dick. Yeah, but he gave it six points like, and didn't talk about any other character on the show. <laughs> afterward, afterward, Tuvok's like, "Oh, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean that though." But I didn't believe him any more than I believe Kirk was making up all the half breed stuff that he says about Spock. No, nope. that is for no, sure that was right at the tip of his tongue. That, huh? That's a thing he thinks about for sure. Um, by the way, just to go back to the um Italian leather sofa, you were right that it was uh, Mission Hill. Mission yeah. Hill. Um, there were various cake songs played in Daria, but, uh, the theme was something else. All thank right. You, thank you for looking that up. Do you have some quick hitters? I got them. I got, I got a bunch of them. Don't you worry about it. Um, Chakotay's got his stereotypes all messed up. He was a typical Betazoid. Kept to himself. I never knew much about him. That is the opposite yeah, of all Betazoids. that's very much like the Waxana Troy. It's exactly like the Waxana Troy. It's the opposite of all Betazoids we've ever met. <laughs> they're all just a bunch of fucking, uh, they're real extroverts. From what I can tell. They do appear to be extroverted. Um, let's see. They start the investigation uh, of Suter based on Chakotay thinking he's got those murder eyes. Yep. So that's a good method. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, he's got black irises like all Betazoids. Well, then he goes, and yeah, whenever he'd kill a Cardassian, he had this look in his eyes. So he probably killed this guy, too. It's like, ah, all right. I mean, the writers are bad, so it turns out to be exactly what happened. Yep. Um... Uh, lots of questions about what the B-plot is. At one point, I was sure this was just a lesson about how gambling works. <laughs> I thought so, too. Which made me very mad. <laughs> I Listen, I'll be honest with you. I was hoping that at one point Tom Paris was going to have a pencil in his hand. 
and make Harry Kim bet on which hand the pencil was in, <laughs> even though he could see it sticking out of his hand. Double, just double or nothing, like in news radio. Yep. Uh, let's see. How many times have we seen somebody go to the holodeck for a little harmless killing? I guess it's like the uh, GTA of its time. You just you go there and you run over you run over pedestrians or whatever. Well, we've seen Worf do it. Worf does it for sure a lot. He calls and, it calisthenics, but let's be real about it. And we've seen in one particularly bad characterization of Worf that he gets a little out of control when it happens. Yeah, Animal Worf of season two. I know you. I know him well. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Paris is on report. Worf had to kill aliens for that. That is true. It is a different ship than the Enterprise that they are working on. And and by the way, uh, we know that Worf bets in the ship's pool. We don't know it yet, but we're gonna. There is a ship's pool Oh, in uh, peak performance. We don't know. He Believe me, there is already a ship's pool that has been discussed, because in the episode where Tashi Yar was gonna go and do some... Uh, some... Fuck yeah, in the beginning of the episode where she dies, yeah. they're suddenly buddies. And he's like, I've well, I wagered heavily in your favor, or something. So, he's got the gambling in him, for yep. sure. Um, Apparently Picard turned a blind eye to that or didn't care, but Paris was probably actually fleecing people in a way that they didn't bother to explain, and also replicator rations are probably meaningful in a way that whatever Worf was betting wasn't, since you can just go to that fucking weird gift machine and get a gift, right? <laughs> yes. You pay a visit to the gift machine, for sure. You got into JCPenney and you check out everybody's <laughs> gift registry. Yep. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, why do I feel like we're going to get some Tim Russ acting now? And of course we did. Um, and then I also said, wait, is this about corporal punishment? I'm having trouble nailing this one down. Hey, I think Adam Driver based his entire repertoire on this one Tuvok scene. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of true. He was totally pulling an Adam Driver in there. (laughs) That's such a weird character to be in the biggest movies of all time. I know. But again, okay, so Marjan made me watch The Girls, well, season one of Girls. I could, She didn't make me watch anymore because I complained so loudly. But I kept saying, there's this one guy, this guy. See this guy? Something's going on in there. <laughs> there's something weird about this guy, and I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, I want to see more of this guy. This guy's fucking weird as shit. I want to see where he goes. And then he started showing up and all kinds of shit, and then he was in the biggest movie franchise of all time or whatever. So I'm, uh, there was one good thing that came out of Girls, which otherwise was um, unwatchable. Unwatchable. Um, hey, dog, Tuvok's mind is fighting a classic battle between good and evil. Yeah. <laughs> As said yep. by an actual character in the show. Um, I actually didn't think Tim Russ did um, did as bad a job as I feared he would. Uh, yeah. He was no, definitely I... walking the line between clownish and intense, but it's UPN. So. Boy, that happened a lot this week, by the way. Yes, it We did. got to see a few characters acting, capital A acting. Beyond and, their means, uh, yes. And it was in many cases beyond their means. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had for the uh, the quick ones. Uh, Neelix, maybe don't encourage people to fuck in public. These idiots all have to work together. Yeah. Uh, I also was not excited about a deep psychological episode featuring Tuvok. It's, um, we have questioned many times why he needed to be on the show. Uh, before it wrapped up, I had written, at this point, I honestly don't care if this gambling subplot is ever integrated back into the story. <laughs> uh, luckily, it wasn't. Yeah, you got, you got your wish. 
I'm not a violent man, but if Neelix put his fingers in my mouth, I would probably rage too. Oh, I was I wrote that sentence and erased it when I saw it was a fake out. Yep. I wrote a yep. sentence that was like, no joke, if Neelix did this to me, I would have fucking destroyed him. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that Kill Neelix is probably the most popular holodeck program on Voyager. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tuvok didn't create that. He found that. Yeah. He was just looking at... Like, He's like, he put in Kill, and Kill Neelix came up, and he went, yeah, that's yes, that's about yep. right. That's yes, the one I want. Yes. <laughs> Thanks to this mind meld, I understand that now. Yep. Who uh, programmed the Doctor to be mad at Vulcans about mind melds? I have all kinds of questions about why the Doctor was programmed the way he was. Like, um... This is the first time it's ever been a problem for him, right? So that shit's in his programming. Oh, yeah. No. And he's real salty about he it. He has no history with it. It is just, uh, that all comes out. So clearly the programmer was given some, uh, well, you'll find out all about that in later episodes. Hmm. Hey, at this point, it's probably time to uh, start talking about all the Maquis, right? In case Chakotay has other reservations. It's true that he did not volunteer this information until somebody's charred body was found. Yeah. But maybe now we can talk about, is there anyone else on your crew that you think might have murder lust? Again, especially because he guessed with 100% accuracy who the killer was. Yep. Based on his eyes. He's like, oh yeah, it's uh, Suter. Lon Suter. Maybe you should have said uh, something. Guy loves murder. Yeah. Just like my buddy Kurt Bandera, who never backed down from a fight. That's why I loved him so much. I just saw him kill so many people. It was amazing. I gave uh, Best Actor to Murderer Tuvok. All right, all right. And Worst Actor to Regular Tuvok. There you go. I think that sums it up. So, um, you know, maybe uh, Tim Ross was not the best casting choice for this. He usually plays shittier characters in Star Trek. Yeah, like the guy. Such as a Klingon or a guy who's trying to take over the Enterprise. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, frankly... I haven't done the math on this, but these scores look better than Voyager sometimes gets. Yep. Yes, I think that's correct. So we'll see how this works out in the end, but we have four more episodes to watch this week. Yes! I love that. Including Enterprise. This week we watched Marauders. Yeah. Oh, whale on that guitar. All right, with the help help of Wikipedia, so that I don't just forget what the plot is. Archer, T-Pole, and Trip fly down to a small colony of miners in order to trade for deuterium. Uh, they initially try to barter with Tessic, the colony's leader, but he appears reluctant to part with any of the uh, inventory of deuterium, uh, which is being held for someone else. After negotiations, however, a deal is struck. 200 liters of deuterium, for four power cells and whatever medical supplies Enterprise can spare, uh, as well as the Enterprise crew fixing uh, a couple of his broken pumps. Despite deuterium being a valuable commodity, Archer is startled by the lack of basic medical supplies and the rundown nature of the colony. The reason becomes apparent when seven Klingons show up to collect deuterium according to their regular arrangement. When Tessic informs Korok the leader of the Klingons, that they do not have all the deuterium because two pumps were not working, uh, Korok hits him and gives them four days to meet the order. Later, when Tucker and Archer attempt to talk them into fighting against the Klingons, Tessic tells them to take their 200 liters and leave. However, leaving does not sit well with Archer, and he convinces, what a shock. He convinces the leader with their support. And part, Wikipedia. I mean, 
we'll get into it. On Enterprise, T-Pole teaches some of the colonists how to evade a- a- how to evade edged weapon attacks. While Ensign Sato and Lieutenant Reed teach each other uh, teach the other colonists how to fire their weapons more accurately, Archer and Tucker then suggest the colonists shift the entire colony to the south fifty meters. When the Klingon marauders arrive, the colony appears deserted and silent. In order to spring a trap, yeah. why does Wikipedia leave that out? Because yeah. well, they don't want to spoil what's going to happen yes, in the next minute? in the next sentence that they're going to write. Finally, the defenders show themselves, and in the ensuing fight, the Klingons are lured into an area surrounded by capped-off deuterium wellheads. On cue, the wells are ignited, surrounding the Klingons with flames. Tessic then tells the Klingons to leave and never come back. After they depart, Archer is rewarded with 2,000 liters of deuterium by the Grateful Miners, as if this is some, like, RPG quest that he has completed. That's correct, yeah. Uh, So I needed all that because I never remember the names of the aliens, like what the alien planet is called, the name of the people in the episode, um, and generally... Oh, don't worry. I don't think they said the name of the planet. Yeah, it's... uh, Anyway, so... um, What was this? What was this crazy old one about? I guess the only way to deal with a bully is to fight back. That's exa- that's like exactly what I had. Yeah, um, that's uh, worth three points for me. Yeah, I don't think it's true. It's not a science fiction story. Right. Here's the real trouble with this episode. Are this you is get the into Magnificent execution? Seven. Oh. Well, right. ye- sort of. Yes, except it's the Magnificent fucking boobs from Enterprise. Yes. Right. So, or Seven Samurai, whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, we got some bad guys here to ruin here's our a, shit. a bully here to steal all the rice from this poor village, etc. And these seven people are going to teach him to fight, etc. Right? Yeah. So that's what they were really trying to do. And so the message or whatever is completely incidental. Agreed. Because you, I can't say that the the take of this episode is. Wow, Seven Samurai was a good movie. Huh? <laughs> you guys remember that one? And then we turned it into a. Do you remember how much better it was made than this? Then it was, there was a western, and that was pretty good. And we didn't have to like try to shoehorn these shitty existing characters whose yeah. only traits are likes catfish and permanently has hard <laughs> nipples into the into this plot. It's true that um, we yes yes yeah. So anyway, three three points. Not sci-fi. I don't think it's true. It's not a useful take, but th- that's what the premise is here. Yeah, I have the the only way to stop a bully is to stand up to them. This show badly wants us to see these Klingons as bullies, and Archer doesn't like bullies. Every yeah. family sitcom has this plot at least once about what to do about a bully. It is not needed in Star Trek. I give it a four. Yeah, um... Ben, by the way, took them at their word and gave them the take, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach him to fish and he'll eat for Boy, a lifetime. That is That's um, not what it is true. About. It is true that Archer says that. <laughs> he does say it. When he is working these people to allow is, him to commit violence. It is, it is definitely not what this episode Ugh, is about. Yeah. Because they did not. They, they, they made one specific plan. Yeah. They executed it mostly themselves. Yes, they did. And they're fucking off. And by the way, and the idea that these people are somehow prepared to deal with Korok when he returns? Yeah, not at all. Is buck wild because he can just shoot them from space. Yep. It's such a bad 
Like everything about it is dumb and bad. And by the way, and that's the, all the stuff that Ben says in his execution too. Is is okay? Well, that, why'd he give execution a five? Also, that is the part that I don't know. Because I I read it, and it's all just about how it wasn't about what the premise was. Anyway, including uh, he Archer, even says that they would bombard the base from orbit. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, although Archer says that to the man, yeah, to Tessic, uh, who I was like. I know this dude. Oh, okay. I've seen this dude somewhere. Um, Did you do the research? Yeah, I looked it up. Okay. Um, but the answer to that question, uh, well, first of all, we have seen him previously. He played a, some random case on an alliances, but he's in one of next week's episodes too. So keep your eyes peeled for oh, him. All right. Okay. Just a coincidence. He's not in next week's enterprise. Okay. Uh, he says that to him, but at some point, he also runs his mouth about how he's always hated bullies. And the important thing to remember from Archer is everything is about his childhood. Yes, it is. And everyone on the ship knows it but him. Yeah. So that's what this episode's really about. Sorry, Ben. Agreed. Uh, let me get into my uh, XM yeah, let's on hear this it. bad boy. So every episode of this series is the goddamn same episode. <laughs> Archer shows up. He doesn't like what he sees. Decides to stick his nose where it doesn't belong. The difference is, these people tell him 50 times that they don't want his help. Yep. They just want just get out of here. You fixed our pumps, that's good enough. He has to lobby them hard to allow him, him and his crew to come down and shoot at Klingons. It's fucking weird to watch. The whole time I was watching, I was going, man, what? Like, just take a hint. And get out of town. Like, it has nothing to do with you. Or come up with a real fucking solution. Yeah, like, maybe come up with... Use your brain a little bit and come up with a creative solution that satisfies all parties or something. But no. Then he gives them guns and a battle plan to kill the Klingons. What happens if the Klingons take Federation weapons off these guys' bodies? Does that change anything in relations between Klingons and Earth? Nobody cares. Oh, I'm 90% certain that those guns all belong to those miners. There was a dumb scene where they were, like, checking him out. Like, they're good enough for shooting the fucking lizards. Eh. What happens if they kill T-Paul? Yeah, okay, so what if they capture them, or they, there's a body yeah, or something? exactly. So, this is explained away by an offhand remark by T-Paul that these marauders probably don't answer to the High Council. Probably. She doesn't know. That's it. Right, um, by the way, in which case, why not kill them? Why not just blow their ship up? And that's all it they It solves need to know. the problem permanently. <clears throat> this shit is really dumb, for real. Yeah, no, it's this is very. It dumb. is the anti-Picard. They absolutely open fire on the Klingons themselves without being in any danger. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Oh, don't stuff. worry. They don't shoot any Klingons. No, they just shoot. They around just them. they just expose the townspeople to like having swords swung at them, <laughs> so they could try and corral them into a narrow alley. But right? you take a look, and who does who? has the first offensive action? It's like Reed or somebody just shoots yep. a phaser right at them. Just shoots the ground Ugh. at their feet. I gave it a two. I, res- I try to reserve ones for when it's like, you've done something that's... You did a crime. That's mind-boggling. Yeah. This is just very, very bad. I gave it a two. Well, I also gave it a two. I mean, good God. Uh, it's just inexplicable that this is the best solution they can come up with. Yeah. Where is the archer from Desert Crossing who's embarrassed about his reputation as a cowboy asshole? That, that did not last. He is right back in it. They wanted to do Seven Samurai so bad that they forgot about that episode. 
Because that was several episodes ago. Oh, yeah. No, they for sure that knew was, that episode. They've had time for that to have been built into his character. Why doesn't Enterprise pick these miners up and move them somewhere else? Yeah. And then... Maybe give them some cool shielding or something. Maybe they don't have that technology. Just know. as a point of general execution, <laughs> all of the training shit is very hacking by the numbers. Yeah, I get into it with my quick hitters. It was very embarrassing. It's it's extremely poor. Uh, so, yeah. Like, like you, I gave it a two. We already talked about it. Ben gave it a five. It doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> give it one of them... Um... One of them fives where if I read all that stuff and I'd given it a five, I'd go, actually, I... That's a, that's a three. You could take some points off of that. <laughs> um, all right, world building. Uh, deuterium, which I will remind you now, is a is a very real thing that we use ourselves Thank and you. is not a magical science fiction substance. It is mined like oil for some reason in this episode. Mm-hmm. Shuttle pods make one quarter impulse. That probably has come up before. In Shuttle Pod 1, but I don't know. Possibly. It's something. Uh, Klingon marauders who are independent from the High Council. Who Vulcan, are Vulcan probably independent. Pr- probably. <laughs> uh, power cells. How much deuterium Enterprise needs. Apparently the specs to the ship are not classified in any way. Yeah. Uh, it's not much, really. I gave it three for world building. Let's see. I got uh, Return of the Warm Weather Away uniforms. I fucking hate T-Poles. Yeah, her snow white super tight cat suit. Super tight cat suit that then like blouses out at the bottom to go over her heels. Right. <sighs> anyway. Um shuttle pods designed for one quarter impulse, deuterium mining stuff, Vulcan martial arts. I gave it a yeah, two. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I heard what you gave it. Give it a two. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but in general, I like the Enterprise uniforms fine. Yeah, they're fine. The jumpsuits. They make sense to they me. They seem like they're for utility, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, every single thing about T-Pole is nuts. Her uniforms are wild, and, and they make is, no sense. I really should have known better. Like, this show came out in the aughts. Like, what? Every other Vulcan we've ever seen has worn robes. Yeah, like, give her, put her in a robe, or put her in a uniform. And, and let's just... It's 2000-something. Let's just... Let's go. Let's go. Just hire a sexier lady to play Hoshi if you need to have a sex character. Yeah. You can make all the ladies a little bit... Well, I guess there aren't that many ladies, so yes. Make them all a little sexier, but then just uh, put by, them in like, a uniform. By the way, don't do a sex character. Don't but know. since these guys cannot resist it, don't make it the Vulcan. It makes no sense. It's, it's wild. What did you think about characterization in this... That's, by the way, usually Enterprise's strong suit. It's definitely its strength. What does Landry say the average is for Enterprise on characterization? Uh, Enterprise on characterization averages at uh, 6.67, which is bad, but Voyager has recently overtaken it as worse. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, well, I give it a one. Oh, you know what? That's probably not true. Voyager hasn't been updated to account for the fact that there are 31 episodes, so let's just say it's probably the worst. I gave it a hot one. All right, let's hear it. Teepole is an extremely rude customer. Just shows up and goes, I know you got more in the back, so give it to me. Like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. help these assholes who showed up here and told me how much inventory I had and that I had to give it to them. Uh, and she's stupidly all in on this fucking Red Dawn Wolverine's plan. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing? Why is she into this? She's like, hmm, it might surprise you, but I agree. And it's like, what? It does surprise me because this is a moron's plan. <laughs> um, oh. I'm just documenting something but please continue surprise surprise Archer wants to interfere and stop the Klingons from bullying these people doesn't seem worried at all about how that might affect anything else uh, Trip and this kid are besties now I love it when kids are in the episodes that's all I had I gave it a one yeah 
Um, all right, here's what I wrote verbatim. Everyone, including T-Paul, is all in on this busted Cold War plan. <laughs> Archer's doing this because he hates bullies. T-Paul is going to put on a headband and personally kick Klingons. Dumb. Yeah. Two points. I gave it two. Good. That's good. I, I, we didn't have exactly... You didn't say the words Red Dawn, so it's not as precise as some of the things that we've said in common, but it is close <laughs> no, enough. But- it's close enough, for sure. No, but we were both very surprised that T-Paul was all in yep. on this. Uh, why don't you why don't you knock off some quick hitters? We're moving through this episode pretty quick, but what are we supposed to say about it? It's it's a difficult... This has been a difficult episode. Uh, warm weather gear again. Mm. Uh, no continuity in this particular... Uh, so there's no continuity specialist on set because they can't get tripped to say Korok the same as the man on the radio says Korok. <laughs> Same same problem that's uh, existed throughout all of the Star Treks. Yeah, he pulls a real campock on this one. Yeah. Is the overarching premise of Enterprise that no one ever learns a lesson? Okay, so if you want to believe that, the show is better, because then at least there's a reason. At least right. that is the lesson. But I want to start seeing more comeuppances. Yeah. And and I want to hear the people say, I don't know why this keeps happening to us. <laughs> be great. Like, let me know that you're trying to do it. Uh, at least in this episode, Trip just has like a little buddy and isn't fucking an alien or like a little girl who's seeing her first ever unrelated adult man. Ugh, yeah. So that's that's good. That's growth that's for him, I guess. Yeah. I didn't give him a characterization point for it, though. Uh, the Klingons don't have any like computers that could tell them the whole village moved. Like or when that... they're beaming down, they're not like, huh, coordinates are different. Or that they have ever noticed that Enterprise has been around, or that the that right. the Enterprise crew is down there now, or anything. Yeah, it's all. uh, yeah, it's bad. the uh, The thumbnail for this was the scene where the woman is getting medical supplies with flocks, yeah. and uh, so I, when that scene came on, I expected it to be something. I thought it would be like a. I thought looking at the thumbnail that it was going to be a flocks episode. Yeah, seems like it should be right. Yeah. But no, she's just up there, and Flox is like, huh, they usually use that shit for plasma burns. And she's like, deuterium burns pretty hot. And he's like, eh. Yeah, I, guess. I, guess he, I guess he said to Archer that he was surprised how few medical supplies they had, but he didn't seem to say, well, it seems like they need supplies for a fight. Yeah. They're stuck So, up. that scene was nothing. <sighs> uh, is it since Reed down is kind of like a CIA style military advisor, except in this one, it works out. That's right. Yeah, that's right. A little bit better than the real life CIA. And it's just like, Oh, do the writers of this think that that's been a pretty cool thing that has generally worked well? It's a good strategy, both uh, ethically and morally, as well as just a general execution-wise, just how well it's yeah, worked. Yeah, it just has always worked for us to send military advisors into these countries to start uprisings. All those wars It's always were... worked, and we've never created more problems than we had to begin with. All those wars were one history recorded. <sighs> that's it for me for quick hitters. Okay. Um, there we go. Whenever I see a kid in Star Trek, I immediately hope they will be killed off. <laughs> Not because I'm a bad person, but because the Star Trek writers are bad people. And I know they're going to do something stupid and terrible. T-Pol said the name of the episode. That's always great. 
these colonists have straight told Archer 50 times they don't want his help. It is wild that he keeps insisting he'll stop the Klingons. I guess I had that in every part of the... Uh, in uh, it every is the, part. It's, the, it's the worst part of this episode. It's worth calling on over and over again. These training scenes were so fucking embarrassing and hard to watch. T-Pole showed them the dodge stuff maneuver with a little somersault on the end of it. And acted like her training was done. She's like, there yeah. you go. Well, look. I saved uh, you all. The Vulcan, the Vulcan martial art of Sumac Ren. Rick Berman mm-hmm. takes years to master. I mean, it really was just the name of someone who worked on the show, but said in a funny way. No, good. It takes years to master, so uh, I guess I'll teach you this one move. If Mayweather had been trying, he would have just brained her coming out of that somersault. First of all. Yeah, by the way, the one uh, semi-cute moment was when he revealed that he wasn't worried about hurting her. He was worried, he was worried she was going to hurt him. Right. Well, he's a nice boy. He's uh, a sweet boy. The Klingon says that perhaps they'll kill the boy this time, in case you couldn't tell they were bad guys. That's right. Because of the subtlety of the writing. He should have said, like I killed his father four years ago. It Eight was me. people are buried over there to the south. <laughs> you guys shouldn't try anything. <laughs> I love killing little boys, by the way. You should have just shouted that in the middle of combat. Yeah. Um, that's all I had. It's, it, it, it was what we thought it was. Uh, ben gave it a three on world building and a three on uh, characterization. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said that the beginning teaser was the most useless teaser that they've ever had just that there were some aliens out there living on that planet. I gave a uh, best actor to, um, well, I was pretty stuck on this one. I gave it to the woman who goes for the supplies, but with a question mark, I couldn't figure it out. Uh-huh. And I gave worst actor to Hoshi. She has like one line about how you're pulling the trigger wrong She's on your so gun. Satisfied. And she had to learn that from Reed. And she it just like, it was just nothing. And she's so satisfied too. She's like, Look yeah, what I did. It was just such a nothing delivery of a nothing line. Yep. Um, so, you know, yeah. without without doing the math, if these were the only two episodes we watched, Voyager would get its second W this week. But yeah. who knows? There are three more to go, including Deep Space Nine. This week we watched The Alternate. Uh, Quark's bar and he is selling pieces of a dead Ferengi mm-hmm. and Odo wants one for some reason or at least he wants to bust Quark for fraud since the Ferengi in question is alive right he plays with uh, them a little bit during this banter Odo's old man Dr. Mora shows up and that seems to be troubling for Odo mm. uh, turns out he's come to persuade Odo to resume their study of Odo's nature in some way and so the next thing we see is Odo interrupting a family conversation between Cisco and Jake about Klingon opera to request a runabout to go exploring in the Gamma Quadrant because a Bajoran science probe has picked up some DNA patterns similar to Odo hmm. uh, on the runabout Mora asks Odo to tell the story of how they worked out that he was sentient but he keeps interrupting it like, he's kind of doing a uh, proud dad, but also kind of a blowhard here. Right. 
Uh, anyway, I was telling Dax, by the way. Dax is on. Dax on is getting her uh, her Little League lines. Right. Um, so they get to the planet where they found the readings, and they find a stone marker that Dax immediately suggests they steal. I also had that. Uh, and when they do that, there's an earthquake and the release of gases that incapacitate the three humanoids, but not Odo. Not... Uh, ever a hundred percent clear that it is related to the stealing of the artifact but it really felt like it as soon as they fucking as soon, basically as soon as she said it she's like let's take that fucking rock everything just started I mean, shaking like crazy when they were in orbit dax did say the planet was volcanic mm-hmm. so i guess it could be a coincidence That's true. but it it did not seem like it yeah um dax recovers pretty quickly from this attack on deep space nine but the two Bajorans are in pretty bad shape, and Odo seems to be just fine, but his feelings are still pretty conflicted about his dad. It's got a lot of dad um, stuff but going the, on. they brought an organic sample back that had some properties similar to Odo, and it seems to be growing rapidly. Uh, so, it was that stuff that's in the, the the kids game where you use the magnet to move his hair and mustache around or whatever. That is correct. It's a woolly willy. It's a woolly willy. It's the stuff in the woolly willy. And um <laughs> Iron filings or whatever the hell they are. I don't know what's magnetic. Whatever kind of filings they were. O'Brien wasn't around during home soil, so he's pretty sure that a level 5 field is going to contain this thing. But overnight, something happens, and the life form seems to have broken containment and disappeared. I know what happened, though. It was the dragons. They showed up. The dragons showed up? No, the dragons, they were the street gang that messed up Rachel's place in Family Matters. Oh, that's right. I forgot that they were the dragons. What a cool (laughs) gang name. Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I decided to take us on that trip. Uh, Odo starts his investigation by going to talk to Dr. Mora, who was asleep during the whole thing. Anyway, he feels responsible for the accident, but he's real eager to get after this life form. Right. Because I guess this is what he wanted to do. This is the science he was interested in, right? Yeah. They send O'Brien crawling through the ducts. And uh, he hears noises and moves in to investigate. And he finds what appears to be the remains of the life form in a conduit. So he thinks he's all done. I don't know what that was about. Because it's not the remains of the life form at all. Because 45 seconds later, uh, Bashir hears sinister noises in his lab. And he gets attacked by the Dalrock. I thought the Dalrock was Odo. The Dalrock is Odo. Right. It hasn't been revealed yet in yeah, my yeah, telling yeah. of this. Oh, but it is okay. Odo. All right, yeah. So, no, at the time, I agree. I was like, wait a minute. I thought he, I thought he was dead. Yeah, because it's the Odo transformation CGI, except it's black instead of mm-hmm. amber colored. Yeah, and it looked much worse. I got to be honest. Yeah, frankly, it looked pretty bad. When they blacked it out, it looked like uh, maybe a monster you might fight in Final Fantasy VII or something. A lot of polygons. Uh, anyway, Bashir shoots it with a laser and it takes off. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh but they get a dna sample this time probably because of the lasering right and uh mora recognizes it before dax's computer can figure it out so he goes to give odo the heads up that uh he is this dalrock the Mm. dna is his dna the attacks are occurring during his 16 hour regeneration cycles and then he tries to um trick him into leaving with him and going off to resume his studies by saying that uh they're gonna, they're gonna lock him up when they find out, and they're yeah, gonna dissect him, him or whatever, yeah. right? He, that he can't trust these people. Yeah, yeah, he's a kind of a mean, a mean old daddy. 
Anyway, this isn't what Odo wanted to hear because no. he immediately becomes the Dalrock again. <laughs> yeah. So, turns out it's, the stress is a pretty good trigger here. Yeah. Um, and the crew works to stop his progress through the station while Mora goes to Ops and explains what's happening and volunteers, I guess, to act as bait to draw it out. I mean, frankly, no, he does volunteer. Yeah. But I think Cisco would have got there. It tries to attack him. The Dalrock tries to attack him on the promenade, but it gets caught up in a force field trap and incapacitated. And when we come back, Bashir has eliminated all traces of the gas from Odo, which is not, as Mora proposed, a separate entity inside him that's trying to kill him. Yeah. Apparently it's just some gas. Right. And uh, Mora takes this opportunity to apologize in a very small way for Odo's shitty childhood and suggest a much more limited relationship with him. And then he fucks off back to Bajor. Yes. So, what was this episode about? I've got uh, I've got some. i got some stuff here. So, i got, uh, you're mad at your dad, not at me, I forgive you. <laughs> or... If you're mad at your old sea daddy, you should probably talk to him about it so you don't go insane or uh, bottle up emotions are dangerous. But don't bottle yeah. up your emotions all all bad. Yeah, I threw that one to you because that's the one I think it is. <laughs> so, uh, what I did, gave it a what 3. Are those, those tangled, okay. Gave it a 3. Cuz who gives a shit about your bottled up emotions? Again, this is not a sci-fi necessary. This is you could do this on any program. You, they just introduced the very cheesy, bad sci-fi elements of making him a, a monstery, monster alien. Cause okay. Because of, of the gas and stress. Well, here we disagree. Oh, boy! So, uh, I gave it a seven. Okay, now what's going on here? So, here is the thing. We do know that Odo... Uh, keeps his emotions very close to the chest, right? Sure, he does. And because he thinks he's in like this. a film noir, he is living in a film noir. <laughs> right. That is his character arc, I guess. Uh, it's hard to have real world consequences for a bottled up emotions thing, mm-hmm. believably, in a regular TV show. The best you can have is, I guess I acted like an asshole to that guy because I've got issues. Uh, so, yeah. sci- the use of sci-fi here um, exaggerates it to the point where you can get this whole thing across in one hour of badly made television. But you could do it in something like uh, like a Law and Order or something, where a bottle of emotions make a guy send a bunch of mail bombs to somebody or something. Uh, yeah, but it's never, I think it's going to be hard to establish that that's because of his bad bottled up emotions and not just because he's been indoctrinated and he's a weird terrorist or something, right? Ooh, or something like that. Yeah, that'd be a good one too. That'd be a good one. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a Jekyll and Hyde story, right? Yeah, it is. Um, so that's a kind of a sci-fi premise itself, right? Isn't there a magic liquid that turns someone into, <laughs> that turns him into Dr. So. Jekyll? Yes. Or Mr. Hyde. I forget which one's the bad guy. Uh, Mr. Hyde's Mr. the bad Hyde, guy, right? Dr. Jekyll, I always remember, because he sounds worse. He sounds evil. But he's but he's not. That name, Dr. Jekyll, sounds evil to me. Yeah. Um, but I only gave it five for execution. Okay. 
So, uh, obviously, and I haven't mentioned it so far, uh, but James Sloyan, who previously we have seen as Jatrell, and, and who we will see again Jerok. as Aladar Jerok, was the best possible choice to play this character. Mm-hmm. And like the last Otocentric episode, this one was a little more thoughtful than most Deep Space Nine episodes. Aspects of it. Yes. And I, although the Dalrock looked a little bit like Odo, I think because we were supposed to believe that it was the thing that had escaped from the lab and that that was similar to Odo, I don't think that they like particularly clued in that it was actually Odo. Yeah, they didn't telegraph it. So the crushingly obvious metaphor that's central to this episode, I didn't find intolerable in a way that I would have, I think. If they had been really broadcasting that it was Odo and he was attacking his dad, who he hates. Right. <laughs> but uh, the scene where Odo is caught in the force field and um, Dr. Moore is saying, dear God, what have I done, was too much. <laughs> if you actually say the words, dear God, what have I done, I think you've you've overdone it just slightly. It's too much even for Jerok to uh, handle. Yeah. He's much better at bitterness. Yeah, yeah, they should have made him like basically spit the words out like they were like they were poison to him. And they focused way way more on the monster hunt than on the feelings aspect. So yeah, they did a sort of an imperfect job of executing on the premise I gave them. So you know, five five out of ten. I'm I'm never going to be too mad about Jerok showing up. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Odo's mad at his dad and embarrassed of him and has bad memories of his development under Mora's watch, and he does bottle it up. And this does turn him into an evil tentacle monster. That's right. But only that's after the introduction of that gas. That is true. So, like, that's pretty toothless. <laughs> Most of the time, scary gas won't be an issue in everyday life. It's true. <laughs> and if both factors are necessary to make you that monster, that's kind of, it's not great storytelling. Um, I spent a long time trying to figure out what this was saying about fathers and sons. I think I sent you a message saying, I know this is about fathers and sons, but I don't know what this is. Yeah. Um, but it was wrapped up neatly by Mora saying that they, uh, they have a lot to talk about, you know, cause they've been, they haven't been saying the things they need to say. Um, but also this episode I thought was pretty damn boring. I got pretty sleepy during it. Yeah. Like I said, thoughtful. Yeah. I gave it a three. I see. <clears throat> Uh, Ben, uh, um, Ben's just, uh, as usual, in a completely different place than us on this one. Oh boy, let's see. He gave it a four for the take, and his take is, the quest to find out who you are leads you to strike out on your own. That's, that could be true, but, are we saying because Odo never went back home to laboratory place? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. And execution, mysterious father figure for Odo and mysterious work in determining where Odo comes from. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to say. It was fine. Okay. Um, Did you find any evidence of world building? A little bit. So, uh, Plague created the modular hollow suite industry. Yeah, he took a computer chip and created the, mm-hmm. turned it into the modular hollow suite industry. Mora thinks he's found some more Odos in the Gamma Quadrant. Let's do a sidebar about how Odo works, though. Mm-hmm. He had no eyes. So mm-hmm. how did he perceive of them? What senses does he have in his gelatinous form? 
That's a real good question, and it is completely unexplored. Okay. Do his eyes, when he's in real Odo form, work like... Do they work like real eyes? I'm going to stop you right here. Odo has DNA. Yes. Yes, Odo has How DNA. How does that work? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because he can be a glass that weighs as much as a glass. Yeah, this is the part that's always really scary. His mass changes. Yes. His mass changes. Or he can be a chair from a bridge of a Klingon ship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How does the DNA work? Um, yeah. My question was, so when he looks like uh, the Odo that we know, is he really seeing? Do his eyes work like real eyes? Or is he perceiving the same way no matter what his form is? Like, even if he's a Klingon chair. I fucking wished that they had covered that in some way. He has no because it would be system. the most interesting thing about Odo. Yeah, is that he doesn't really see and hear and smell. Yeah, he's faking. He sees. He, he, he senses things in a different way, and then he just he's able to uh, uh, verbalize them when he's in Odo form. Yeah. In which case, why isn't he saying things all the time? Like, well, he's an android. Right. Exactly. Correct. <laughs> The only thing to tell us is that he has no respiratory system. Yes. Which, obviously, because he's a chair sometimes. Or a glass. Right. Hey, how does Odo do in, like, a vacuum? Yeah. What does happen to him? Anyway, I got lots of questions about Odo that will never be answered. Um, I guess there... Oh, here's what I had. I guess there are no cameras in the lab and no sensor readings either, because they're all standing around. And then, oh, wait, that's exactly what Odo asks to see. Yep. Why and, haven't uh, they already the way, checked that shit? Uh... They should have been real suspicious. It turns out that the camera was shut off during the exact time that whatever happened in there occurred. Mm-hmm. And somebody is like, oh, maybe there was a power outage. And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> you got me there. The thing probably did break out on its own. Probably yep. Probably because of that power outage. That, so that's probably how it got out. That mysterious, uh, you know, I'm starting to suspect you did it. Mm, Based on that Odo. idiotic thing that you just said. Mm. Um, I just didn't know why they hadn't already checked those records. Why were they all standing around questioning out loud what had happened? As, as opposed to taking a look. What the fuck happened in here? Somebody check the records. Yeah, take a look what happened. Um, yeah. Odo's refractory, I mean rejuvenation period is 16 hours. Uh, I gave it a three. I thought it was, there was some things, but not. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, right? And they're all about Odo. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you didn't cover? I mean, I liked the idea of discovering that a very, very dissimilar life form was sentient, but I liked it better in home soil. Um, but I did like the notion that Bajorans are doing actual science in the Gamma Quadrant. It does bring us back to one of the central questions of Deep Space Nine, which is, what is Bajor? What is Bajor? What is it? But... Uh, they can't feed themselves. A, they can't do a, like they can't do agriculture by themselves. But they got science right. missions to the. But gamma they block. got a. They have a Bajoran probe, science probe out there, and it found some Odo DNA. Like, okay, all right. Uh, I give it as much as a four. Okay. So we're pretty far off on this one so far. Well, I'm can have consistently been ahead of you. Yeah. Um, characterization, Bashir's still horny for Dax. Yeah, he is out loud. Yep. <laughs> We get a lot. I mean, there's so much about Odo and his upbringing stuff, and it's actually pretty consistent with the other stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the least. I think the least reprehensible part of this episode was the characterization of Odo. Right. 
Uh, we get more about O'Brien's rough marriage. Yeah. More of Cisco's parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, everybody got a hand in here, and there were no real, real bad missteps, I think, character-wise. But I think Odo should have had someone to share his feelings with. Maybe Kira or Quark. Yeah, since they are uh, on the show, theoretically. <laughs> like, Kira's yeah. like, Kira got some real Little League, Little League rules lines in here. And this is an episode about Odo's weird, conflicted feelings, and he never expresses them to anybody. The closest is in a one-minute scene with Cisco, where Cisco talks about when his dad was sick, mm-hmm. and Odo's like, "Well, no, he's not my right. dad. It's not my dad, though." Yeah. So uh, I only gave it six points for characterization. I agree. There's some interesting Odo stuff. Uh, the opening scene. The look of surprise that he has when he sees his uh, his dad. He's playing that nice long getting uh, long game with Quark about plague, which is always oh he's fun. enjoying it. He's enjoying implying that he's going to collect pieces of Quark when he's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, he plays him. He's like, no, I'm really going to buy one. This is for real, for real this time though. I'm not even playing a trick on you. And then as soon as he's about to pay him, he's like, although, <laughs> nah, it's a trick. <laughs> this is a trick though. <laughs> um. And he's very embarrassed when his nice dad shows up, just like a kid would be. And he's hella annoyed by his papa in the scene with Dax in the in the runabout when he keeps interrupting him and won't let him tell his story. But man, he is easily manipulated by Dr. Mora, who has him freaking out about being put in a zoo. Yeah. I mean, he still had them gas bubbles in him and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. Quark comes off as sort of likable in the uh, opening scenes of this episode, despite everything that we know about him. Yeah, well, that's the main problem with Quark, right? That they've is that they told want us, us to like him, things. but we already know that he's into some real shit. Yeah. Dax's idea is to steal that pillar from the planet's surface. Like, she could just, just steal what she wants, and who cares about the condition of ruins they find? Just immediately. <laughs> just like, well, it looks like an interesting rock. Let's take it. Like, oh, okay. Jeez. Yeah, she's taking that shit right to the British Museum. It's very bad. <laughs> it's just messed up. And yeah, Jesus. Now O'Brien says he doesn't even think Keiko wants to know about how his day is gone when he gets home. Why? It's grim. Why do they make him so sad and crabby? This all comes from that fucking one scene where he, he's like, I don't like to eat Japanese food. And she's like, well, I hate potatoes. <laughs> It's it's a weird thing that they keep writing into the show. Like, hey, good news. We're moving you over to the new series. You're going to be a regular. Oh, awesome. Um, oh, we're bringing Rosalind Chow to play your oh, wife, sweet. too. Okay, so uh, I'm by the way, me. you guys hate each other now. <laughs> That's right. It's like, oh, I'm going to be like pretty heroic because I'm going to be in the main cast. I'm going to like save the day a lot. I'm going to be I'm going to be like, this is going to be my fucking time to shine. And they're like, no, actually, you're going to be a real asshole that is grumpy all the time and hates your life and you and your wife can't stand each other and you don't even know why you're still together and she's going to actually leave she's going to go back to earth for like 11 weeks because probably because we're supposed to believe in the show that you can't stand being around each other like it's it's really not the role of a lifetime no for calm meaning so yeah sort of the opposite of that calm um we get some um weird talking to nobody um, from Bashir talking honestly about Dax he's just like talking to no one in the room he's like uh, I wonder if uh, talk about the chase or whatever about how if she'll ever yep yeah whatever uh, before that scary death cloud joins him and tentacle chokes the shit out of him 
Cisco authorizes lethal force on Bizarro Odo. I guess showing that he'll, he'll do what it takes. To yeah, you know, even to his close friend Odo, who he always gets along with, and they're such good buddies. Such really good buddies with lots of... Although it's a relationship of trust. He already shot uh, the weird Dax symbiont right in the head uh, <laughs> during invasive procedures, so... <laughs> We know this about Cisco. We don't. We don't necessarily need to point it out every time. <laughs> uh, I give it a five. I thought Odo did good, and everyone else was kind of bad. Okay, so we're not that far apart on there. It's just on every on every other thing. metric. I'm way ahead of you. Yeah. Um, I've been giving it fours all the way across the board. Fergie dismemberment ritual. I guess that is technically world building. Yeah, we should have probably put that in. A, a sliver of latinum or slip i forget what it was it's it actually pretty substantial oh they like uh the frangies really like how things uh how currency feels in your hand it's clear everything yeah. is, the next piece is not only described as being bigger it is actually bigger so like a bar is worth like a mm. shit ton and it is a really a big fat bar it's not clear what that other sample was other than a red herring. I guess that was the goop that O'Brien found, right? Yeah. It didn't have enough carbon dioxide, so it turned into that shit. Yeah, it turned into goop. And uh, four for characterization. He likes the little bits of Cisco and Jake that they're putting in in various points. I mean, I've said before, that seems to be the only time Avery Brooks gets into it. That's because out of the theory is that's the show he joined. He was like, I want to be in the show about me and my, me and my I'm boy. I'm going to be a cool single dad. Me and my boy just making our way through frontier space. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what is it, my turn to do quickies? Uh, you would have done... Yes. Okay. Hey, look, it's J-Rock. I mean, Jatrell. I mean, Mora. Uh, yeah. I straight daydreamed through that Jake and, and Cisco conversation. Yeah, I did have to tell you later that it was about Klingon opera. It was weird. It was like I blinked and Jake was leaving the room, but I did not rewind it. I didn't feel the need to see what happened in it. Um, that's how oh, I already said that thing. Okay, yeah, Willy, 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 Willy. What was his name? Willy, 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 Willy. Okay. Um, I guess they only have one scientist on board because when Dax is sidelined, O'Brien takes over the sample analysis. Yep. Which, I mean, I'll. All right, that's 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 what you want the operations. Guy and by the way, who's fixing the station? Yep. Because his Bajoran buddy tried uh, to assassinate Vedic Barail, yeah. so she's gone. It ain't her. What was her name? Um, uh, Mir- I don't know. Mira? Uh, something, something else. Yeah, whatever. Kira pulled a. We need you in the science lab. No details given to a sleepy Cisco. Yep. We need you in the science lab. Uh, let's see, Bashir uh, hid Dax's clothes because he didn't think that she was up to working yet. Yeah, that's exactly why he did that. I totally believe that. And that's why she had to leave sick bay with a rope that wouldn't close on the back. Yep. Totally at believe least the Listen, at least they didn't show us that. <laughs> In Enterprise, they would have showed us that. That's true. They would have shown us her behind a curtain with her nips all out. That's right. Just out in the fucking breeze. Um, that monster that attacked Bashir, I already said, looked like some Final Fantasy VII level graphics. And that's all I had for the quickies. A couple more. Is Cisco's dad supposed to be dead? Oh. So, I remember this from the last time I watched through these. That I was like, wait a minute. I think they said his dad died. But we know later on 
what's we're gonna see it <laughs> he he's like a back. chef in new orleans it doesn't <laughs> yeah he's admiral cartwright like he's uh well also he is played by admiral cartwright he's, yeah. he's around in many episodes so yes i remember that from when i watched this the last time and it's like cisco doesn't actually say his dad died but that definitely was the implication of that yeah. little story uh jadzia has a lot of faith in her computer if she thinks it can decrypt six symbols on a stone phallus. Yeah. I, Based on... Nothing. I don't know. It doesn't seem like enough. Based like, on That's not nothing. a Rosetta Stone. Yeah. You know? And, like, um, Data and Troy would have given up on the analysis even after it had decrypted three of them. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if Peter would have made some progress, then they would have gone, I just don't know. Nah, it's impossible. Yep. That's my one of my critiques of the well much beloved episode. Darmok. Yeah. Hey, um, Odo really needs a buddy, huh? Because this you won't be safe here if they learn you're a monster line it works. almost gets him. It works. The look of panic, by the way, not terrible acting by uh Rene Aubergine or whatever his name yep. is. Uh yep. who looks crazed. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, and he's no, working are... through a ton of face putty. Yeah, he's like, no, they are for sure so, going to put me in a zoo. How wild must his face have been under that thing, huh? <laughs> yep. Um, I gave best actor to, uh, I mean, Mora, of course. Sure. Well, yeah. He and worst show. actor to what have I done, Mora? That scene was bad, and it hurt my feelings. <laughs> All right. Well, we knocked out another one. We did, and so we have uh, we have two more to get through, and now it looks like we won't be here for three hours, although they are TNG and DOS. They're usually so. the long ones, but I think we're doing good. We're making good time. Uh, this week, uh, we watched this Next Generation episode, The Schizoid Man. The Enterprise is en route to provide medical care for the reclusive but respected scientist Dr. Ira Graves. This is obviously Wikipedia. Who lives with his only assistant, or who lives only with his assistant, Kareen Briannon, on a remote planet. This is a real TOS situation. It very much They straight is. up call it Graves' world. I mean, Slash will always have Paris, but at least there were a bunch of other people who were killed in an accident on that one. When the crew receives an emergency distress call from a nearby transport ship, Picard elects to send an away team composed of Data... Troy, Worf, and Dr. Salar to see Dr. Graves, while Dr. Pulaski stays aboard the Enterprise, which leaves to attend to that transport. The away team finds that the request for medical assistance was made by Kareen without Graves' knowledge, and though resentful, he allows Salar to examine him. Salar determines that Graves has Darnay's disease, an incurable terminal disease, and has only three weeks to live. So the team begins to collect Graves' research and records to preserve them after his death, which is kind of morbid. A little bit. They're just going to, hey, you mind if we, like, poke around and take all your shit to make sure that, you know, when you die... I mean, die, we could do this after you die, but I don't want to be here forever. Like, we got places to go. Graves recognizes Data as Noonien Soong's creation and claims he taught Soong everything he knew, which kind of means he's his grandfather in a way. Since Soong is Data's father... Uh, Graves and Data begin to spend significant time alone together, which is also creepy, uh, during which time Graves reveals that he has developed a method to transfer his consciousness to a computer, allowing him to live indefinitely. 
Data in turn reveals that he has a shutoff switch because he can't stop talking about it. <laughs> which, which he says could be used to precipitate his own version of death. Cool story. That's a really cool story, bro. Um, mm-hmm. Later, Data reports to the away team that Graves has died. The Enterprise returns and retrieves the away team along with Kareen and Graves' body. And Graves is given a really weird funeral ceremony in the transporter room. Data delivers a grandiose, glowing eulogy, surprising the crew. When he later whistles, If I Only Had a Heart, echoing a habit of Graves, who had told Data earlier that he resembled the uh, Tin Man. Uh, when entering a Oh, ter- from the episode Tin Man? Yes, if Tam, Tam Elbroman gone to, he was specifically referring to. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> when in- <laughs> Danger gone to. <laughs> when entering a turbo lift, Picard decides that his uncharacteristic behavior warrants an examination. Uh, although no physical anomalies are detected, because, you know, he's a dang old robot, uh, Troy's psychotronic stability tests suggest there are two personalities within Data. His original one, and one that is foreign and right now dominant, and threatens to replace Data's original personality entirely. Uh, Picard realizes that Graves has transferred his mind into Data. Meanwhile, Graves, in Data, reveals the truth to Kareen, and while passionately proposing that she do the same so they can spend eternity together as weird robots, accidentally breaks two bones in her hand due to Data's superhuman strength. Picard tries to persuade Graves to give up Data's body voluntarily, noting the harm he's causing to those he loves. Graves knocks Picard unconscious almost immediately after that. And when Picard awakens, he and his security team find Data in his quarters. He's back to his old self, and Kareen finds that Graves has transferred himself out of Data and into the Enterprise's computer. But only his knowledge, not his consciousness. The human part of him has been lost forever. What? What was this one? Okay. Give it to me straight. What is it? No man is so important that he may survive at the expense of another. I saw, I saw when Picard said that. He gave his big speech. He did give that big speech. It, um, and I couldn't think of anything else this was about. Don't go into a robot and be a weird pervert. Yeah. <clears throat> I had something different. But yeah, what, what was well, yours worth? Uh, it's about a four. Okay. Like, I get it, but who's who's making that argument? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, though. <laughs> Graves was like... He's pretty cool. What if you could put... Uh, Stephen Hawking's brain in uh, like a football player's body. Yeah, I don't know. That's right. Mm, they're just good at football. Yeah, but now He's Stephen Hawking. Now they'd be good at football and all the sciences. Uh, this was a 40 for you. Four. Yeah, it's a four. Where, where are you on this I got one? immortality is a bitch. You know... He's going to live forever, and it's going to be amazing inside this robot. Except, whoops, no one else wants to do that, and uh, they hate him now, because he's a gross robot. And uh, so he punches everybody in the room until he realizes he can't do this anymore. Right? I I mean, basically. One of those stories that's only possible in sci-fi or fantasy, because of the immortality element, and yet still feels overdone. Well, and also, like... He really hasn't had any time to adjust to it. He well, it's because he pisses everyone off within one second. Yeah, because he is an he's, asshole. He's a full-on piece of shit. Yeah, but also he transfers his consciousness to Data after he already has 
been exhibiting erratic behavior due to his Darnay's syndrome yeah, or whatever. I know, he didn't do it at the right time. So, like, he may have transferred his craziness there. I think he might have. <laughs> Although, I, I think it was a physical ailment, right? Like, it hurt him to breathe and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, he done transferred the worst version of himself to Data and immediately pissed everybody off. But, like, so, like, if the lesson is supposed to be that immortality sucks a D, maybe don't... Like, what if you're not a piece of shit? Yeah. Is it cooler then? Yep. So that's why, I mean, as always, my execution scores bring all of these okay. things into question. So the take in one itself, one? Uh, I thought was fine. I gave it a, I gave it a six. Oh, wow. One of but them. this might be one where we're pretty far apart then. <laughs> We've been doing that a lot lately. We used to be pretty much just, like right on. Yeah. Or turning, turns out we like different things in Star Trek. By the way, I had sub take. Nobody's so important that they can subjugate another or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here I have. Uh, immortality is especially a bitch when you do it by stealing the body of a beloved robot with super strength, which is kind of why this plot misses the point. <laughs> a little bit. Star Trek is replete with people saying, hey, I got a hot take, but let's water it down with a bunch of extra garbage so the message is warped and the effect is minimized. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens a bunch of times already this week. It happened like, in DS9. In, in... It happened in Voyager. Yep. <sighs> like, if one of the crew had become immortal for some reason and had to explore what that might mean... Or even if it's just Data himself, right? Because yeah. he's never going to die. Uh, or if they like came across an immortal guest character and got to see from their eyes what it would be like. But like the stealing of Data's body and the interacting with the crew, pretending to be Data, was such a cheat and distraction that it ruined the take, distracted from the message. Also, Spiner. Yeah, I feel like the real world explanation here is, well, let's turn Spiner loose again. Yep, and I gave it a two. I gave it a deuce. I deuced it. I wonder if I even have an argument to make here. Uh, so I gave it as many as a three. Okay. If the idea he is supposed to be that we have to have data back, even though Graves was a great genius, doesn't make him a real asshole undercut the message. Yeah, so we talked about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that undercuts mine, too. Mm -hmm. Like, So it's not just that we 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 can't lose data. These guys super hate Graves. Yes, I even like, it's a really hard choice for them. This is what I'm saying. They right. never are giving you the straight choice, which is yeah, so it, stupid. It makes it impossible for anyone to advocate for him. So the whole thing becomes, can Picard convince him to undo this? Now, so, yeah, if it had been, oh, um, we put Picard's consciousness in data. Right. Then you'd have to and be like, like, And then there would be someone And even Picard's like, like oh. Probably Riker would come in and he'd argue, I don't know. I mean... He's isn't Picard's consciousness more important? Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, and, "I like data and everything." Believe and me. And then someone, someone else would say, "Captain Picard wouldn't think so." Yeah, that's right. And they'd ask right. Picard, and he'd and he'd agree, and they'd have yeah. to find some other solution. Yes, there are a million ways where you could do this where it was like a real choice. Yeah, but they don't do that. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. As to the rule. top half. Uh, Ben has a three for the take. One life is not more important than another. Probably under the same Which he rationale. says feels done to death. Yeah. Although I don't think it really is. It's not done to death because you don't, don't need to do it. I don't think this one comes up that much. You just, yeah. just generally don't need to be like, hey, it's and, not right. Uh, he gives it a four for execution. What was the BS about the Constantinople being in trouble? Yeah, seriously. It's really weird. 
the wide it kept the crew away for one scene and didn't raise the stakes at all and it forced them to introduce dr solar yes. so i was like then continue to refer to but never show again I, for the rest of the series i was like wait so was the point of this to introduce her because there's no other reason to do the plot that way yeah Um. Yeah. So yeah, he's a three and a four. So we're all kind of uh, laying, living in the safe space. He is closer to me than he is to you, but only by a point. Yeah. Swinging into world building here, mm. we've got uh, near warp transport, but that makes no sense. Yeah. We have um. Uh, when you take a psych test, it plays movie trailer music for some reason. <laughs> yes, it does. Also. Uh, what is that? What did she put together there? Her, yeah, because her, it like her real it is keeps throwing up. in pictures of graves and uh, what's her name. So like, this is not despite what she said. This is not the academy psych. Yeah, this is some test. garbage. Because uh, if they showed data those pictures before, it doesn't make any sense. Did you, and did, what would they have showed him pictures of when he took the first one? A vacuum cleaner. <laughs> How does this make you feel? Like, hey, Data, we don't know about any relatives. Here are the people who found you from the Trieste. How do you feel about them? Oh, nothing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nothing? Nothing is happening? Um, also, did she make Jordy like, put everything he was doing aside so he could make the interface work with Data's brain? I mean, something like that, right? It's just it's an aggravating. It's an aggravating scene. Uh, and finally, in world building, uh, Free Jack. Yeah, that's right. Somebody was bone jacked. Yep, data data straight got bone jacked in this one, so uh, I gave it as many as three points for world building, mostly for the bone jacking. It was like a weird reverse bone jacking where instead of taking data at the moment of his death, the guy who was about to die went into data's body. Yeah. Uh, what did you what would you give it for world building? <clears throat> I gave it as many as a four. Okay. A real so first of all again a real TOS situation of a scientist living on his own planet named after himself working on molecular cybernetics. Uh, Constantinople is a trans. Oh, by the way, that I didn't I didn't write it up, but that makes no sense. Yep. That's fine. The Constantinople is a transport ferrying two hundred twelve colonists, and it struck a mine. How? Where? Yeah, don't settle there. It's. Uh, I think it's, you found the wrong them planet. To, well, it's taking them to Laos. <laughs> uh, is a near warp transport really going to save them a lot of time on this mission? They seem to be able to warp and come out of warp at will. So, like, uh, it, why uh, not it just does stop? Appear, it does appear to have saved them as many as six entire seconds. The difference between regular and near warp transport is that Troy was briefly six feet to her right. Yep. Apparently. That's pretty lame. Uh, oh no, Darnay's disease. And in its final stage, in all cases, it's terminal. You can put your consciousness in a Soong-type android if you're into that. Let's not talk about Troy's powers. She can read robot emotions. Yeah. You Only know when what? he's got them. A lot of that was negative world building. I'm giving it a three. Yeah. So it's kind of true. <clears throat> did you maybe feel like the characterization was more well done mm, let's see what i got Jordy is finally on to what we've been saying all along data is a sea of emotions in a bad coat <laughs> <laughs> he, he, him and troy are talking about it in the very first scene when they're going to see him in his quarters and Jordy's like i don't know i think he's got crazy emotions yep and it's like finally somebody's saying it 
There is there's a great scene in this where before Troy comes in and announces the result of Data's psych test, mm-hmm. he's called Jordy in to talk about what's going on with Data, and Jordy is just bullshitting. Yeah. He's just spinning some shit about, you know, I think when Data starts to tap into the human side, he just gets carried away. <laughs> he's trying and to save his then buddy. Fucking door swishes open, and she's like, it's Graves. <laughs> Makes Jordy look stupid, but he yep. was just trying to save his buddy. That little. was my favorite. That was my favorite scene in this dumpster episode. <laughs> he and Wesley do everything they can to get Data to just cut it out and don't get in trouble, but it doesn't yep. work. Um, let's see. Uh, where was I? Oh yeah, I finished with. Let's not talk about Troy's powers. Okay, so okay. Oh, it's Jordy. Okay. Um, when you walk in on Data stroking his beard, don't you make an excuse? And go outside and gather a security detail? No. Because it's time uh, what, to shut him down. What Jordy and Pulaski do is laugh right... Or Jordy and Troy do is laugh right in his face like real assholes. That's fine. That's the response like B or C for me. Response A is to get Worf and get security and just go in there and shut shut him down for just good. go, no, 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 He grew a beard for some reason. He's, I don't know what it is, but this dude is dangerous. He's stroking his beard and talking all funny. It's he, We're done now. Like, we're not taking any more chances with this guy. Uh, in the very end of the episode, why is Data worried about seeming undignified in his position on the engineering floor? Because of his emotions. emotions. Troy is likable in the beard scene as well. She just leaves Jordy in the lurch. She's just like, I gotta go, bye. Um, And on the transporter pad, Troy wants to know what kind of side effects they might notice from near-warp transport, and Riker just says, you'll see, counselor. (laughs) Is he mad at her again? It seems like it. You know what it is, is last week someone said she was sexy, (laughs) and he's pissed again. It's like... For a minute, he caught himself going, she is sexy. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> like, why did Riker not want to tell her what the side effects were? It's really rude. She was very scared. Because we'll see. <sighs> it's just... It was rude. And by the way, we saw nothing. They just beamed in, and then she went, oh, for a minute, I was inside that wall. And, it's like, and then nothing. <clears throat> oh, good. Animal Wharf is here on Graves World. Just growling and shit. Yep. Uh, Wesley has a good laugh about Data's dumb speech, and then he tries to get his buddy to avoid getting sent to the principal's office. <laughs> We've all had friends like that, you know, just pushing pushing it too far, and you're like, come on, hey, come on, what are you doing? Sh- shut up. Stop doing that. And that's what Wesley's trying to do to Data on the bridge. Uh, weirdly, the episode comes down to a Picard speech when he wasn't all that involved in most of the plot. Yeah. Still, he saves the day. I gave it a four. Yeah, we're not too far off on uh, on this aspect. I had given it as many as a five. Uh, everyone's a slow thinker in this episode, but I think it's for plot reasons. As always. And that's, that's, I don't think it's supposed to reflect on their characters, that they are the last people to figure out that he's Graves. Yeah. Uh, I did think it sucked that even when Wesley notices the Data's weird, he laughs it off, because he should be very traumatized after Data Lore. Yeah, he was the one who figured it out in Data Lore and then got shot after at. After he had to fucking scream at everybody about how it wasn't Data, and then he still got uh, really manhandled by Lore, uh, he should be... He should always have one fucking eye on I, I guess what we can get from that is that the part he was more traumatized about from that whole incident is how pa- mad everyone was at him. That's how the adults didn't believe him. <laughs> so he's like, I'll just play it cool this time. 
All right, fuck it. You guys happy with the broken data? That's cool with me. I guess this is just data. (laughs) Seems like data is on the bridge to me, Captain. Huh. Probably really was lore we beamed out into space, even though data immediately set a contraction afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. Um... I think Picard was good in this one, and Troy seems to be a working professional again. Mm-hmm. And that's a real weakness in this episode is that everyone's just a little less sharp than they ordinarily would be. And uh, that, that's just so they can let Spiner go loose, Ugh. and that sucks. But that's, you know, that's not characterization. Anyway, I gave it five. Okay. And Ben, uh, before I swing through the quick hitters, uh, gave it a four in world building. Again, touch and go down warping. He's so crazy smart. That they gave him a planet that he named Graves World. Yes, yeah. There's. It is true that in the Star Trek universe, they'll just send a scientist with one young woman to a fucking planet. Fresh, hot eighteen-year-old. I'm sure. Yep. Um, and he gave it a six for characterization. So. Oh well, the, he even brings up the Jordy calls out uh, Data having all the emotions. Yeah, that is true. Which is about time, because we've had uh, 30 episodes of this or whatever. Um, yeah, so some quick hitters. There are definitely some. Um, they open this episode weirdly with a medical log from Pulaski. So obviously they haven't figured out that we hate her yet. Well, and then she didn't do much in the episode. Oh, no, she's not a part of it, it at all. Really... That's just... <sighs> They're just like, well, if they're going to see this guy for medical reasons, should we start with a medical log? But then don't send Pulaski, send the other doctor. I Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad, it's a bad decision yeah. that they made there. Uh, Jordy and Troy can't be cool for one second. Uh, real unearned suspense music into credits, and they're doing that a lot so far in season two. Where nothing like, happens? Nothing suspenseful is happening, but they're trying to hype it with music right before they go into the credits. Like, we, if, like we're going to go, I'm not watching this one, and turn it off. <laughs> That's right. Like, they didn't trust us to stick it out until they beamed down. Yeah. Uh, the near-warp transport is a fun idea, but it makes literally no sense. They save as many as six seconds it's... over a regular transport. I'm not even sure what they thought they were... Sometimes they do something like this. Like, the like seeing things through Jordy's eyes. We're going to be able to see what Jordy sees from now on. And you're like, do they even intend to bring this back? Why are we spending time on this? Yeah. Because yeah, it's exactly. Nothing. It's just to try to artificially hype drama. I think because they know they're about to beam down to an empty room with one weird old man and a young woman in <laughs> we gotta it. Got to put something else in this episode. Um. By the way, I had it as Troy says she doesn't understand what near warp transport means or entails, and then when they beam down, Data says you do now. So he has no emotion, but he can sarcastically say you do now to Troy. Yep. But on the uh, pad, the- on the pad, she goes. Yeah. Wait, what kind of side effects? Because they go, oh, prepare yourself for side effects of near-war transport. And Commander Riker, who's beaming them down, literally just goes, you'll find out. It's like, yeah. oh. I, I don't know what that means, she says. Yeah. And then they beam yes. down and Data goes, you do now. <laughs> yep, exactly. Then the dialogue monster attacked because uh. Data called up and said, we're inside Gray's home now. All is quiet so far. Of course, no one knew we were coming. Sounds like he's covering for something that he's done. Like something that's super suspicious because he's yeah. just layering on unnecessary words. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll quiet here. We're, we're in Graves' uh, house right now and everything's cool. Uh, I mean, of course it's cool because no one knew that we were going to be here. So it's cool. 
I was excited to see Lieutenant Salar, but even in this episode, she does nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just excited because she's about to play Kalar. Like, real soon. Soon she will play Kalar. That is important. Uh, Women aren't people. They're women, says Graves. He also refers to the unhuman races. Yeah, they really work hard. Do you think he's a good dude? They worked hard. This is what I'm asking. What is it with Star Trek introducing crazy old scientists who are very unlikable? These writers don't like scientists. I'm 100% certain of it. Uh... I presume Data let Graves explain the Wizard of Oz to him rather than just look it up for plot reasons, right? Yeah, also his thesaurus is very slow, and so is his dictionary and his encyclopedias. Um, Data's just telling people about his off-button now, writers? (sighs) Then, for most of the episode, I just wrote, God, this is hard to watch. This was a tough one. I I jumped back in when he... uh, was getting jealous about her on the bridge and he talked about how she doesn't like old people or people of limited intellect, which was an obvious cheap shot at Riker. And <laughs> I wanted to know how Graves already knew that about Riker. <laughs> He'd seen him for I one wanted, minute. Did he say something incredibly stupid just before the scene cut there and we didn't know what it was? No, dude, you could see by the... Sometimes people have an expression on their face that lets you know exactly <laughs> what they're doing in there, inside that old noggin. And Frakes often has a look on his face where you know that there is not a lot happening. I just wish we'd gotten to see the dumb thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, later when he's talking to him, I don't think we've ever seen the warp core this close up. It looks like it's made out of Alhambra bottles. <laughs> it's got that pebbled texture. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't paying attention. I enjoyed that. Mm. Um, you can do your quick hitters, but I, before you do, I gave the best actor to uh, Captain Picard and the worst actor to uh, Data as Graves, giving away the whole game, even while people make excuses for him. Yeah, he really... He did not ever plan to be Data, I don't think. No. Was he just hoping they could like get to some planet and he could escape? And then I think his Graves whole plan bald? was that he would just wait a couple of weeks and then be like, by the way, I'm Graves. And then they'd be like, what? And he'd be like, too late. <laughs> but he couldn't do it. He got like four minutes into it and went, nah, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, and he was just going to be like, look, it's been this way for a while. Uh, I'm just staying in here. Yeah. What are you going to do? Kill me? Good luck. Yeah. Uh, I also had, starting with a medical log, I guess they noticed we haven't had any Pulaski recently. Um. You suppose that assistant is a fresh, hot 18-year-old? Yeah, they don't. They sort of don't talk about it. It's, but I swear it's, to God. It's, the, it's one of the gross aspects of this plot is that Graves has a thing for this young assistant. Oh, and by the and way. And also, she kind of has to reciprocate it. Of course. Nasty. I, uh, several it it makes no sense that that would happen, by the way. Several times I was asking myself if this really was a recycled TOS or animated series script that never got made. Because it uh, seems so out of it time. It feels it. It feels like it for sure. Um, Except what? What would? How would it have worked? How would the Graves mind transfer have worked? You into Spock through a sport. mind meld or something? Yeah, exactly. Like this guy's been working on the science of behind the Vulcan mind meld down there. Yeah, and he can do a mind meld now. He's like, well, he's been looking for ways to transfer his consciousness, and he found out about the oh, what do they call it? Katra. Katra. Yeah, <clears throat> something like yeah, that. Like there was going to be a second where I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, let's get excited for Dr. Salar. Oh, wait, she's nothing. Uh, one more eccentric old fuck. Women aren't people, they're women. 
when Graves says disapprovingly, looks like... Sin. And no, by the way, no one says gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, this show has a, a serious lack of asides. Like we've talked about, like I talked about before. Except on the bridge. No one ever walks out of a staff meeting. Whenever the staff meeting's over, they all walk purposefully out very quietly. No one ever goes, fart salad. There's like have exactly, a laugh. You know what I mean? There's like exactly one where, uh, I forget the exact one, but Beverly runs her mouth about, is that the male perspective on something? And Picard just half under his breath goes, rubbish. <laughs> Well, it needs more asides, because, yes, somebody should have said something about this shit. Um, but then he says disapprovingly, looks like Soong's work. Why doesn't he just say, looks like Soong? Yeah, it does look exactly like him. Because, <laughs> like, it looks like him. And I recognize you, because you look like him. <laughs> you look like Noonie and Soong, so. Because I knew him when he was the age that you're supposed to look like, and that's, he wasn't yellow, but basically that's it. I'm guessing he must have made you, because, like, why else? This would be a really weird coincidence that the cyberneticist that I knew looks I just like I bet he like gave you. you a big crank, though. <laughs> that's right. Uh... I bet he made you in his image, but gave you a huge crank. When he, when he, we get the news about Graves' illness, it zooms in on his face real slow and dramatic, but, like, we already hate him. That's right. Like, I'm fine with him having Darnay's disease. Oh, it's dying, so it's okay that he's a weird asshole. Ugh, fuck that. Data is worse than Soundhound. He cannot, oh, yeah. for the life of him, figure <laughs> out what the Wizard of Oz song is. He's just sitting That's there right. like, what the fuck is this? I just wanted I just wanted someone to push the button and then have it kind of spin around for a second and then go. When you're done, you can tap you can tap the button. Dog, I was so I was so sure that because I I don't like this episode, so I haven't watched it that much. Hmm. I was so sure that Data was going to whistle if I only had a heart and Wesley was going to go, "Data can't whistle." <laughs> I remember that from the pilot. Oh yeah. It would have been real great if he said I remember that from he the pilot. He couldn't whistle Pop goes the weasel. That's right. It's not Data. But anyway, no, yeah, didn't happen. Yeah. Wesley was just like, knock it off, Data. You're going to get into trouble. Data, seriously, they're really mad now. Data? Data, oh, God, I'm not, they're coming this way, Data. You better be quiet. Oh, God, Data, God. <laughs> um, oh, good. This young thing is into the crazy old man. Yeah, Thank that's nasty. Thank you, sci-fi writers. Great work. She fucking laments that she wasn't older so they could well, properly Well, he's a great bow. genius like they are. So, of course, any 18-year-old would be into this him. Is the part. If they just got, you know, just took the time to get to know him and weren't focused on his looks this and his age. That's the part I always say all the time. <laughs> that some old gross writer writes that all the ladies were into Teve Torbs. That's right. <laughs> they were all into Teve Torbs. The ladies loved Teve. <laughs> What I don't understand is why you felt the need to disguise the word senator. <laughs> Grenadier Dobble. <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> yeah, anyway, she laments that she wasn't older so they could properly bone, which is great. Um, right. Did Graves ask that some strangers on a starship do a memorial service for him? I think, I presume Data made that up. Because, well, he's Graves, so he did ask for that. 
Yes, but after the fact. I assume this was not in his written weird written will. I mean, they just have him sitting there on the transporter pad, and there's like six people in the room who didn't know him. It's really weird. And, and Picard's like, well, he was pretty good. He did good um, science, I think. I don't actually, I'm not familiar with it. He was one of, the, one of the big, they gave him his own world, so he must have been pretty good. Couldn't I'm not been, a scientist. Couldn't have been too bad. Let's, let's beam him. Let's beam him out. Anyway, let's, uh, are we done here? <laughs> uh, oh, Data wants to talk? Actually, speaking of... Uh, you gave Picard best actor, and I agree entirely. I have here, Patrick Stewart was actually trying to act in some of these scenes with Data. It was, it was very sad. And I felt so bad for him. Like, yep. this is such garbage. He must want to jump out a window. But he was <laughs> really, he was kind of trying to go for it. Um, I, I would love to think that that first minute of that scene where Troy walks in, where he's just talking to LeVar Burton, they're just doing an acting exercise yes. as the only two actors on the show. That's right. They just used it. Yeah. They just told Troy to come like, in whenever. I don't remember writing that, but leave that in. Yeah. Uh, can we do another sidebar about Troy's weird therapist video? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Yeah, it's from right out of Clockwork Orange, which is amazing. <laughs> this is the video she shows her patients that we think is going to help in some way? Apparently, the they I guess when they get the readings out of this thing, they can tell like if they've had any big psychological shifts, right? Because they <laughs> they respond to these images the same way. But like, wouldn't you get bored? I have seen footage of that. No, that air show disaster still gets me. <laughs> no, the the one is. Yeah, I guess that, that one is if bad. they showed me that, they'd be able to tell if I was still me. By the way, on that one is bad, and the YouTube algorithm says that I'm not me anymore because it suggests I only watch snuff films. <laughs> yep. So the YouTube the YouTube test says I I have had a dramatic shift. I guess that's true. Anyway, I just thought that whole everything about that video was wild. Just don't yeah, YouTube is very people. bad at predicting what I want to watch because it's almost never videos of premature celebrations, which is the <laughs> only kind of YouTube video I watch <laughs> to comfort myself. Really it is good. a dude who's thinks he's about to win the race and he slows down and then another dude passes him and he's mad. And he looks that's the so only thing and I watch about what has happened to his career. Yeah. Uh, that's all the the quick ones I had. Cool. Um, well, we're making good progress. We still have one more to go. Yeah. Uh, we watched uh, the original series this week with Who Mourns for Adonais? Adonais, By the way, this Adonais. version of the this version of the theme is so much more appropriate for this episode. This one in particular, yes. Um, also, it's a it's a reference to a poem. Okay, so that's good to know because I, I so was where silence has least, but it wasn't a helpful poem. That's true. It did not help me to figure out why. <laughs> the Enterprise is in the Pollux system. Which is strangely bereft of intelligent life. Okay. And Scotty has a crush on some lieutenant. Yeah, let's get more... Let's get back into the treatment of women. Let's do it good. That's right. It's a real good episode for women. Mm. Uh, the ship arrives at Pollux 4, and a giant spectral hand reaches out for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't get away from it. It grabs them. Also, I uh, found Kurt- that their reaction's appropriate. They all were a little bit dumbfounded that that was really a big hand on the view screen. Yeah. Yeah, that's out of the realm of their experience. Uh, is that like a big old hand coming up here trying to, like, grope us? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, Kirk tries to uh, rock the ship back and forth like his Jeep is stuck in the mud. Uh, it does nothing. That's just not anything. But then a man's face appears in space, uh, refers to them as his children, welcomes them to the planet, and talks about Odysseus and shit. Right. And Kirk's response to that is to threaten to shoot him. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's Kirk for you. He, he doesn't love that, so he starts squeezing the ship uh, until Kirk finally relents, and the man invites them all down except for Spock, because Spock is like Pan. It's true, and he hates Pan. Yeah. Uh, so Kirk and McCoy and Chekhov and Scotty and the uh, lieutenant that Scotty's into, uh, her name is Lieutenant Polamis, something like that. I don't remember. Hot Lips. Something I think that's supposed to seem vaguely Greek. Oh, okay. Just the name, though, not the, they didn't want to hire anyone who looked ethnic. Lieutenant Menzukis. Right. Uh, they beam down and they meet this dude and he declares that he is the god Apollo mm-hmm. and immediately starts flirting with this lady. Then he explains that all of the gods are ancient astronauts. Yeah. Just like the History Channel says. <laughs> I got it right. And he's going to keep them there uh, for a thousand years to worship him. He doesn't say a thousand years. It's forever. Right. Uh, he makes himself 30 feet tall, and he cuts off all communications with the ship. But then he just disappears. Like he's exhausted. <laughs> right. Yep. And he gives the crew a chance to like gossip about him. And they immediately start looking around for whatever machine it is that he uh, is using to do this kind of thing. Because they don't believe him. Except Kirk and McCoy go off and have a little side conversation where Kirk's like, but what if, though? Right. Uh, Apollo shows up again and he, he phrases his captivity of them as a bargain for life in paradise in exchange for uh, worshiping him. Uh, but he also makes Scotty mad because he just won't stop hitting on Lieutenant Palamas. Well, I mean, look, she's into it. So Scotty tr- decides he's going to shoot him, but he gets his phaser all melted. And then he gives, uh, then Apollo gives Lieutenant Palamas a dress that goes 90% of the way to seducing her. Just the dress. Oh, for sure. She's uh, she's like, taken. this fucking dress. Are you it, kidding? She wears it forever after that. Yeah. Also, it's, you know... It's uh, like a TOS sexy. Yeah, it's right? got a lot of hot naked back. It's taped to her boobs and her entire back is bare, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. She shows a little midriff, but probably not belly button. I wasn't really paying attention, but I think the 60s were weird that way. Yeah, no, no belly button. <clears throat> and by the way, he's got like a 50s and 60s bodybuilder body, which is why they don't show his midsection either. Just his big yes. pecs and wide body. That's right. He's really wide. He's, that's exactly what it is. He's wide set, which is, was all you had in those days. If you were really wide, you were like, fucking, that was like that being... That dude is wider than average, huh? That was like being shredded these days. Yeah. Uh, Kirk gives Scotty a little bit of a talking to about uh, being a goddamn professional for one second. Yeah. And uh, and I go back to trying to figure out his power source. Uh, meanwhile, Spock and, and crew up on the Enterprise are trying to figure out a way to, A, communicate with them. And B, shoot away through this energy shield. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Apollo spending some time working on his pickup game with uh, the blonde lady. He doesn't have to work that hard. And he explains to her that the gods needed worship and men changed. And without worship, the other gods dissipated into the cosmos. Yeah. 
the way team works out that he has an extra organ in his chest to manipulate energy pulses that are coming from somewhere. I'm not going to talk about that again because it doesn't matter. Yep, it does not. They talk about it a bunch, but it's not it is not a part of how they defeat him at all. Nope. They don't punch him in it. I mean, no, they don't punch him in the organ at all. Uh well, they originally come up with a really cool TOS plan that she yes. ruins. Apollo comes comes back and shoots Scotty with lightning and chokes Kirk nearly to death before he becomes fatigued and disappears. And that's when Kirk comes up with his big plan, which is jump Apollo and hope he gets tired before he can kill all of them. Yeah. It's a real TLS uh, plan, especially the way it's mm- executed. Meanwhile, up on the ship, Spock's got a good plan. Punch holes in the shield and shoot through them. Right. Uh, he comes back and Kirk announces that the only God they need is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he arranges a laughing at Apollo party. (laughs) Um, but his plans are thwarted because they didn't tell Palamas what they were doing and she starts begging for mercy. Yeah. Um, she cock blocks their whole plan. So now Apollo wants Kirk to bring down the rest of his crew and he takes off with the lady again. And then she comes back with a message from Apollo. And that's when Kirk gives her her orders. Even though she loves him, which is stupid. Yep. She has to spurn Apollo. And eventually she accepts that this is what she's going to have to do. And she goes off to play him. Right? right, right. Then Spock tells them that the power source is the nearby temple. And Kirk tells him, okay, get ready to shoot that temple. Not shoot it now. <laughs> yeah, I know. But get ready to get shoot ready, it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when. It's going to become really important in a minute. So Palamas makes herself uh, the most hated of all women, the cold scientist. Yeah, of course. Uh, to, to upset Apollo, and he calls a thunderstorm down, and that's when Kirk calls in the airstrike. And even though Apollo fights back against the Enterprise, the temple gets melted down, and Apollo says his cheerful goodbye and joins his fellow gods in nothingness. Yeah. And how does Kirk, and then feel Kirk and about McCoy it? regret what they've done. That's right. <laughs> but they fuck back off to space anyway. Yeah, too late. You know, what are you going to do? Unmelt it? Mm. Oh, by the way, I guess he really was uh, the Greek god Apollo. He may as well have been. Yeah. It is possible. So, um, so Matt, what what had happened here uh, in this episode? Just the ice-cold take of man has evolved beyond the need for and fear of uh, the mystical. Yep. That's a th- I mean, it's that's a three. Up- <laughs> that's the problem with it, right? <laughs> It's nothing. <laughs> Who cares? It's, uh, so, yeah, uh-huh. That's a truism. Well, and also they undercut it for the 60s. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what I wrote. Man has grown beyond the need for gods. No, okay, we're the same. Just the one will do nicely. <laughs> Which is what Kirk actually says. <laughs> and that's why this take can be no more than a four. Like, I get that, I get that it's not anything, except in the 60s, if they had just come out and said it, and it had been like, oh, we're doing this about Apollo, but really it's also about Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, so all you guys want you It would have been a bigger take, right? Yeah. Because for its time. But, no, they went right ahead and said, no, we just believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It's It'll like, come up again later, by just, the way. Uh, it's just... Yeah. There is for sure an episode where they think people are worshipping the Son, S-U-N, but it turns out they're worshipping the Son, S-O-N, and Kirk's like, yes. Yeah, that's good Yes, stuff. God's one true Son, Jesus, who is the Christ. <laughs> and you're like, fuck. <laughs> All right, so it sounds like we had the same fucking take on this thing. Yeah, anyway, I give it a four. Okay. Um, 
again, if they'd gone straight up, this could have been a six or a seven just because it was the sixties, but they, they did. Even they the take out. is um, and uh, so execution. I think it also undercuts the sentiment to have Palamas fall in love with Apollo. And in general, the treatment of women in this episode is poor. Mm, it's so poor. And it irritated me that they made a lot of noise about Apollo's special energy organ, and then nothing. It, it did not come into play. Like, it, it survived from a first draft of an earlier script where Kirk probably straight drop-kicked him in the chest. <laughs> he did a double And that's why kick. he couldn't defeat the Enterprise or something, but it just... It's just, unless it was supposed to be like he's heartbroken now because she spurned him uh, and that was his energy his organ, energy but like, organ. it's not, it's not there. It's just not there. Yeah. So I gave it a four on execution. It, this is a cheesy episode. This is everything bad about Star Trek. Gotta be honest, four sounds pretty generous. Um, yeah. So this is what, like, this is episode 31, right? Yeah. And Less than halfway through the run. So... Already 20 times they've met an all-powerful being who's kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, kind of a lot, yeah. Right? Like, every episode, basically, they run into an all-powerful being who's kind of a dick. Well, it last happened... Why don't they shoot in... for some goddamn variety on this thing? Uh, Errand of Mercy, maybe? Where Do you count the Organians? They're all-powerful. Of course I do. Okay. I'm just tired of these within, like, minutes now. Like that was week 26, by the way, so it's like, <laughs> it was recent. As soon as one of these guys shows up, I go, huh, I know what's going on. We're doing on. this again. I know what this is. And then I'm like, it's hard to pay attention the rest of the episode. The sexism. It's off the chart. It's really intolerable. I'm trying uh, a- hard to keep in mind that this was conventional logic of the 60s. I didn't get it all in, but... When she begs for mercy and ruins their plan, which she didn't know about, mm-hmm. she was trying to save their lives. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, our brave lieutenant stepped in and, and ruined our plan. Stupid bra. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she actually was trying to save your lives, idiot. Um, and But it's so shitty that she falls in love with him. I mean, we can talk about all, I mean, I got a lot of it in the quick hitters. It's basically a molesta fest right from the start. Like, yeah. this lady comes onto the bridge, and they're all just talking about it right out in the open, about how hot she is, and how, oh, it's mm-hmm. funny that Scotty thinks he has a chance with her. And, in front of her. And, and Bones just, he says some stuff that's that's wild about, about he's so disappointed because one day this woman, who's all woman, will find yep. the right man and leave the service. And leave the service. It's the way Ooh. of things. It's a, well, look, that was probably the first thing in my quick hitter. Yes. Uh, that's why it's okay that they make 70 cents on the male dollar. <laughs> exactly correct. That's this argument, right? Exactly correct. Uh, so anyway, I found that so distasteful that I hate, not, I was not just bored, I hated it. And, um... <laughs> The only thing I enjoyed about the entire episode, this is the truth, was just the crazy bleed-through shots of Apollo coming at people. Just his oh, face, yeah. just like warping closer to people. That stuff I really enjoyed. I gave the it effects a two were great. Yeah. Because I found it wildly offensive and bad. Look, you're not going to get much of an argument out of me. Yeah. It, it was bad and it was not even well-intentioned, I don't think. No. Uh, ben gave it a five for the take. What role do the gods have in our technological future? He says clearly uh, not as the answer, but he didn't know about Jesus. I guess he forgot about Jesus. He forgot about Christ, Jake. Just like when you didn't when you didn't catch last week <laughs> that he didn't want to look bad in front of Tapau. I totally missed that. It's hard to execution, pay attention, man. 
he also gave a two saying, wow, this episode is rough on chicks. Yeah, it's really, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're building. Yes. Uh, Pollock's four. At one <laughs> they, point. They pronounce it a bunch of different ways. It's and it's spelled wild, too. It's spelled P-O-L-E-X. Yep. Uh, scanner five seven. So they they got at least that many scanners. Uh, A and A officers. Uh, yep. Surprising level of specialization on a ship, considering its crew complement. The A and A was for anthropology and archaeology. Well, it is two disciplines, and she is the one officer. I, I get it, but like they, I can't but believe yes, they carry one. It does seem like a lot for a three hundred person starship to have an archaeology officer. Maybe I mean engineering is usually pretty empty. Maybe it only takes like eleven people to run the ship, and everyone else. It is could a be that it's all automated, right? Yeah, and so they can put a lot of. I don't know. A ship Whatever. Of Exploration is definitely part of this ship's mission, so I guess it actually kind of makes sense that they would have someone like that. Like Q, this omniscient being fears phaser weapons. Yep. Just straight up, uh, he does a he does a Q and shoots the laser out of Scotty's hand or whatever. Uh, nuclear Electronics Lab is also on board the Enterprise. Yep. Uh, Kirk has a mission for them or whatever. Um, I stopped taking notes after that for world building. I hope I didn't miss anything. I gave it a three. Uh, I mean, there's a couple of things. Because that was still pretty early on, but I couldn't remember anything after it. Um, a whole system without intelligent life is somewhat unlikely. Right? That's the first thing she says when she comes out there. It's weird that they haven't found intelligent life in this system. Which that is... It skews all the percentages. So that's saying a big thing about world building. But and I frankly, also something that's pretty consistent with what we've seen in Star Trek. I mean, we do see a lot of aliens, but I don't even think that they would... I don't think that later Star Treks would make that claim. Well, I mean, sometimes the Federation just has a whole planet they can send <laughs> a alien Draylon to. Draylon 2 or 3. Draylon 2. Uh, by the way, it's a fucking paradise. No one's there. No one likes it. <laughs> we just claimed it. We just sit on it. Uh, tractor beams can repel also. I mean, here's the big one. The Greek gods were powerful aliens. I and that makes me wish I could give a point back to that Voyager episode about Indians. But do we know that's true, or is that still in question? Why, when he's dying, would he keep up the premise and shout, oh, no, no. Hera! No, no, he believes it's true. Okay. But is it true? <laughs> but why not? I don't, oh, it could be. I, I just, I didn't know. I couldn't come to a conclusion on that. I, I, it's possible. That I, think, I think that the intention is that it's true. Okay. Um, so that's big, but it sucks. And then, anyway, the intelligent life thing is the interesting part. I wrote down basically everything else that you have. Phasers have some kind of component that can be fused inside. Right. Um, I gave it as many as five on world building, but actually I do think that's too generous. I'm gonna take it down to a four. Okay. Characterization. Do it. I don't like Chekhov. Okay. I don't like his bit. That he's uh, where he pretends things were invented in Russia. He's uh, he's kind of like um, first season Geordi. Yeah, for TOS, a lot of cracking wise in front of the aliens. Except he doesn't have the um, talent for command. <laughs> That's well, I don't know. We haven't seen him get the chance yet. <laughs> uh, Spock shows a little confidence in Uhura, but he also isn't really good at getting the best work out of her and Sulu. His management technique is poor. Yeah, he just looks at so. them until they correct the thing that they said. Yeah. Uh, Scotty is lovesick and dumb, and Kirk and McCoy have pretty awful attitudes about women, but are otherwise basically themselves in this. Okay. I give it a four for characterization. Uh, I already talked about how Bones feels about that lady and her 
finding a man and leaving the service. Um, oh, well, we've already seen this attitude out of Bones, by the way, because he thinks it's pretty funny to assign a doctor who Kirk slept with at the Christmas party to the away team. He also told that woman that she could go change over there and he wouldn't look, but he definitely That's looked. right. Yeah, he did. Scotty got a stiffy for the, the blonde lady over there. And I guess you can't take him on away teams anymore in case he gets jealous and pulls a phaser on somebody. Christ! <laughs> yeah, he should not go down. He shouldn't have gone down in the first God place. damn it, Scotty! <sighs> uh, Adonais uh, asks the right question about Kirk. Have you learned Apollo. no patience in all this time? And Kirk immediately starts shouting at him. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> so, that's he, yes, that's correct. He has not. Uh... At least Kirk gives Scotty a talking to, but my god, I would have drum him out of the service after this shit, just to go back to Scotty. Um, Spock is so sassy, as always. Verbose, isn't he? Yep. Um, and like I said, check out his first season, Geordi. Um, it's been a long time since Sulu was anything other than guy who follows orders. Yeah, I think they didn't figure out how to... They forgot that they had worked some interesting stuff with him earlier, and... um, He's really underutilized. He really is. Uh, I give it a three. Alrighty. What do you have, quick hitters-wise? I have got some... Uh, We talked about a lot of it already, because it's about the bad the bad, bad conversations about ladies. Uh, Apollo is going to destroy this girl's vagina, and she'll eventually be into it. That is my prediction as soon as they met. Because, you know, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kyle is extremely British. Did you see Mr. Kyle on the bridge? Yes, I did. <laughs> he was as British as he could be. They really made an effort on that. As British as he wants to be? As British as he wants to be, that was, that's actually the name of his stand-up album, Mr. Kyle. Uh, we talked about the 50s and 60s strongman body. Is Chekhov wearing a hairpiece? Because it looks fucking terrible. It is a good question about his bad monkey's haircut, whether it's his actual hair or a piece. It looked really disheveled and weird. Um, I always enjoy the wild TOS scenes where they try to trick the bad guy by acting weird as hell. And when they all yes. launch into their verbal assault on him, it was it was one of those moments. And I was and I was as mad as they were at that lady for interrupting. Yeah, because I sure. was enjoying that. <laughs> I liked their plan too. They all just start shouting the same thing over and over again at him. Each one of them has the one thing they say over and over again because <laughs> they didn't bother to like uh, ad lib any lines on the set. <clears throat> um, but that's really it. I didn't I didn't have a ton of quick quick hitters. So we talked about a lot of them already. Um, uh, by the way, Ben was a four in both world building and characterization. Yeah. So. And he wonders, uh, about it bugs the percentages. Was that 60 slaying? Oh yeah. That was interesting. She did say it bugs the percentages. (laughs) Um, I, I liked to imagine that, uh, the hand reaching out to them was Shatner's hand. It probably wasn't, but I enjoyed that. Feel my hand. Uh, then I wrote, hold on, at the opening credits, my prediction is that the woman we just saw will fall in love with the Greek god guy from the thumbnail and stay behind. Awesome. Now, that didn't end up happening, but she that was my guess. She didn't stay behind, but you were pretty close. We both got that she was going to fall in love with him. Because, again, the writing is so fucking bad and predictable. 
Uh, Kirk goes down there and says, "How do you know? You know about Earth?" But he had already said Agamemnon at him. Yeah. He, well, Kirk doesn't. Dog, know he knows about Earth. Kirk doesn't know about Agamemnon, though. Oh, that's a good point. He's, he was like, "I don't know who Odysseus and Hector and Agamemnon are." These are, aliens. But, uh, you seem wise for a woman. The man says to her, uh, "I don't think Thistlehead ever takes off as an insult for Scottish people." No. McCoy said that bowl of wax fruit aside like he knew it was fake. <laughs> he was not. He was giving away the actor's secrets and stuff. Yeah, just he, like, he really did. We're not supposed to know that. <laughs> uh, Uhura puts on a special jumpsuit before she does space soldering. Well, obviously. Uh, whoops, Kirk is a Christian. Uh, when Palamas says Apollo is so lonely, Kirk should say, lonelier than Scotty? <laughs> yeah. Because it doesn't seem like it. That was all I had. Yeah. I gave best actor to uh, Shat. Okay. And uh, worst actor to Apollo Anton Ono. He was. I good. did not enjoy his performance of the Greek god Apollo. Uh, how do you think getting cast in that kind of role affects your ego? It's got to be, got to be good for you it. Got to right? think that guy's probably pretty pleased with himself. Yeah, I and think so. just got cast yeah, to play cast a, Greek a Greek god, god again. Whatever. 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 Pretty basic these days. You know, it's pretty much mm. all I get cast for is like Greek gods mm. and stuff. Yeah, whatever, though. Strongman. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> the usual. And you could tell because he doesn't really work on his acting, so. Okay, We did so. it, man. What does Landry say about the numbers? Did we coming plug the percentages? At, coming in at number five this week. Okay. I mean, a, a, we, did, a, we did bug the percentages a little bit because the TOS episode, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number five this week, we have Enterprise with Marauders with a total of 19 points. That's pretty bad. That's um, Awful, yeah. bottom 10%, according to this spreadsheet. Uh, Man, I had okay, it in I the bottom say... 25%, and you had it in the bottom 10%. Before we move on, can I say, it really has felt, while watching these the last several weeks, that we are in a bad, a bad fucking period, a dark fucking period. <laughs> We're in a slump. Like, I mean, are they going to write any good episodes? Are any of them going to come along at any point? Or is everybody's episodes 25 through 35 or whatever just going to be a fucking crater? It's a fair question. Last week was the second worst week we'd ever had. Yeah. So that is going to skew. I'm sorry, bug the percentages is how we'll say it now. <laughs> but we should remember that two weeks ago, Annihilate, Okana, Sanctuary Alliances, and Dead Stop was a, a fairly solid week. The only... Um, Okana and Dead Stop were below fifty percent, but they weren't even in the bottom twenty five percent. So yeah, that that week was pretty solid. Um, last week was an absolute train wreck, and um, again, this is a bottom ten percent episode. And that bear in mind that ten percent of the episodes currently stands at about sixteen episodes. So yeah, this was one of the worst sixteen episodes we watched we've watched so far was marauders yeah just like from like 18 to 23 or yeah we were like in a pretty good zone where the, there was a there was definitely some, some improvement there yeah yeah and then now we're backing up we've been in a pretty bad period since then except for week 29 but anyway go on uh coming in at uh in fourth place this week with 27 points uh is who mourns for adonais oh, so it's pretty low for them that's very low for for tos and um I don't disagree particularly. I had this one right about TOS's average for me. Yeah. So my TOS average through 31 weeks is 18.1. Mm-hmm. 
This is at 16. Right. But it's still in the top 50% because obviously the bad episodes I've scored very bad. Yes, but unfortunately I also scored it. Uh, you scored it extremely bad. <laughs> so at 11%, you had this in the bottom 25% yeah, of 11 Star Trek episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at number three this week, right in the middle, uh, the Schizoid Man with 31 points. Uh, 31 points is is low for the next generation. Their average is 34. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's not as bad. I would not have guessed going in that I would score this one the best. <laughs> This was your week winner. This was my that, winner. You gave this 16 points, which uh, won the week for you. Yeah. Uh, so, really, I'm the one who dragged this down. Um, at number two, second best episode this week, Meld. And that's wild. That's all very wild. That episode was so unpleasant to watch. It was really offensive. <laughs> but I have it at 17 and you have it at 15, we, so we're, we're not close. even that far apart on it. We were close it's on three just, of them. Yes, exactly. It's just wet, just wet garbage, just wet stew. But, um, you know, it was good for 32 points this week, which is uh, four points above Voyager's average. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's just, I don't, I I mean, I can't explain it. It's because they were slightly trying to do something. Yes, we both gave them, uh, we gave them a five and a six on take. And that's, uh, that's enough to float them a little bit, so. Right, exactly. Uh, in fact, um, one of the few solid green marks this week in the categories was Meld for Premise, um, yeah. premise which is a top t- top 25% premise we gave this one. Yeah. Though we have slightly different takes. That's true, which is interesting. But the strength of Premise for this episode is top 25%. And uh, the winner this week, uh, Deep Space Nine's fourth win, oh, the yeah. alternate. And this is my fault. You gave it. You gave it a lot. We were very far off on this one. I gave it twenty-two, which actually works out to be a top ten percent episode for me. How do you feel? Now, about that's not that? how I feel. Yeah, about that's right. This exactly. See, my scores but were sometimes the rubric lies. Yes, my scores I think were more in line with how I felt about them this week, and yeah. yours were off. You you felt worse about them than you scored them. Yeah, I didn't enjoy watching any of these episodes this week. They were and, bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just no other way around it. But once I once I scored them, like. I yeah. had to take, et cetera, oh, yeah. the characterization. So, And characterization for this episode, we both had pretty good. Uh, again, an 11-point score, which is fairly high yeah. in any category. So with 36 points, it wins the week. Uh, DS9 now has four wins. So it is pulling away from Voyager and Enterprise. Enterprise has two, Voyager has one, Next Generation has nine, and the original series has 15. Yeah. So, um, pretty good stuff. Kind of chipping away, and now you know they're only what, a little over three points behind TNG. Just this was a twenty-nine point week. the uh, The mean for all weeks is thirty-one point six, so below a below average week, but not nearly as bad as last week's twenty-four. Yeah, and um, we'll see what happens with uh, with next week. Uh, we're watching the Changeling. Which one's that again? Uh, it's about a changeling. Okay, <laughs> good, good. I kind of don't know. It's a, one of these middle period TOS episodes that I don't remember. Okay, I'm just doing a quick search here. I'd like to figure out which one this is. Uh, ancient probe from Earth. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I don't, none of these images are very familiar to me. Okay, go on. 
Okay, we will be watching Unnatural Selection, uh, also known as Pulaski Gets Real Old. Yeah, but I don't remember that one being very good. I also don't remember it being great. She has to make peace with Data a little bit, but I don't think it works. No. Uh, we'll be watching Armageddon Game from Deep Space Nine. Don't remember that. I don't either. For Voyager, we're watching Dreadnought. Sounds cool, but I don't remember it. I bet it's not. I also bet it is not. And apparently the name of the next Enterprise episode is The Seventh. Uh, it doesn't sound That is about Vulcans, by the way. I did I did know that. Uh, did you see a, a, a thumbnail or whatever? I saw something. It's about some Vul- recovering some Vulcan crew member or something. Mm. All right. Well, shit. I was just, I mean, they've been so bad lately, it's very hard to get through them, and I was hoping that I could look forward to something. Here's the weird thing about this week. If I hadn't been so gung-ho on this Deep Space Nine episode, which I did not enjoy watching, right. Voyager would have won. Voyager had the second best points, and we were close on that one. Yeah. yeah that, that sucks, and too. there were not any episodes where you were above me this week by the way it's very rare except well the schizoid man you gave one more point than me that's true but uh so i won this episode for the alternate and otherwise it would have been meld you mean like if you'd scored similar to what i scored the yeah if i'd if i thought this was a 15 point episode or whatever that then meld would have won the week so you almost did it voyager there you go that's how you almost did it yep Voyager, um, again, they they at least didn't lower their average this week, which is good for them. That's what they usually do, is lower it. We were apart by eight on the alternate, and that's high, for sure. Um, The mean, the average that we're apart is .75, but the mode is... So the most common is uh, you are five points higher than me. That's the the most common uh, one? That is the split that has occurred the the largest number of times. That's interesting. Across these episodes. Well, generally my scores are a little bit higher. Slightly higher. But again, the, the mean is three quarters of a point. Yeah. You're usually three quarters of a point higher than me. Yeah. However, it's not the highest. You've been up ten on me, and I've been up ten on you in previous episodes. Yeah, we, so. we haven't matched that in a while. We've had some eights yeah. recently. But. Well, to get more than ten would be wild. Because it's rare that one of us scores an episode as much as 30 points. That's true. So yeah, ten point variance is kind of a lot. Given the yeah. limited number of points they're getting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and 36 you can check for the out win, the, by the way, is is low. I mean, we've had lower recently because it's been such a bad run, but it's not a It is a 34-1 last week, yeah. but the week before that there was a 42, a 41, and a 39, yeah. for instance. Uh, City on the Edge of Forever won at 37, Necessary Evil won at 37, Errand of Mercy won at 38. So yeah. a 36 is not a good uh, win. In fact, usually the winner is a top 25% episode at least. This mm-hmm. one is just top 50%. Right. Alrighty. Uh, check out the spreadsheet. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BrotherDate. Next week's a um, mailbag. Exactly. So stuff it full of mail so that I don't have to do it. That's right. I can talk about how I had ants. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I got ants twice when I was in Cambridge. It was fucking aggravating. Mm, I made I made a punch. Well, again, we'll talk we'll about, talk about it. It Don't waste week. it. This is some good ants talk. <laughs> Everybody, please send us everything you know about ants. Just general knowledge, trivia. Like that's cool. I what you think of ants. the movie Ants with a Z? Ooh, yeah, Ants with a Z. Or and then tell us what you think about a Bug's Life, since there were two of those movies. 
It was a real deep impact Armageddon situation. Or a Firestorm backdraft situation. That's right. All right, everybody. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. A Jedi? (laughs) Oh, they can do that? (laughs) It's so bad. It's wild. Uh, All right. Please subscribe.